With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Talk Recorded Recorded live. live. It's August 10th, 2017, and it's 7.35 p.m. according to my computer. What? But what does my computer know about it? I don't know. Eastern Daylight Time. I'm in Maine. I'm up in the corner of the United States of America, way up in the the boonies where people think that we have to, you know, like um, go by dog sled to get from one place to another. If they haven't been to Maine, <coughs> excuse me, to Maine, they have a wrong impression of what it's like. I don't know what just choked me just then, but I blame the shadow government. <laughs> All right, um, I'm a little silly mood tonight. I'm really tired. We've been working very hard trying to keep our empire going, as I say, trying to keep going, and um, and it's been tiring. And I'm right now I'm just like half awake. But anyway, I'll do the best I can. I know that it's important that we get together because there's so many people out there right now that have absolutely no clue what's going on. They believe what authorities tell them, even when the authorities lie. And um, it's tiring also to try to, you know, inform people that you care about so that they won't be left flat-footed, as we used to say in the old days, meaning without any information and kind of, you know, left off guard. Um, I don't know what else to do. I've tried really hard to make sure that people know what's going on. I tell people that I know as much as I think they can absorb at any one time. And the only reason I have to decide that is because if I overwhelm people with things, you know, trying to help them or trying to inform them of what's going on, they break, you know, they just kind of shut down and they don't listen anymore. And then they want to get away from me because they think I'm making up stuff or whatever. I don't really know what to do. I mean, I feel like it's immoral not to tell people something when you see them walking towards a cliff. I've said that before. It's like if you if you know somebody's going to get hurt or that they're being taken advantage of and you tell them, it's not because you're bossing them or because you think you know more than them or you're better than them or whatever it is. It's because you don't want them to get hurt. But not everyone can hear that. That's difficult. That's one of the more difficult challenges that I find with um, talking to my friends these days. And the circle gets a little smaller all the time, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Obviously, if we do have a big crisis of some type where we have to band together and um, help each other and you know do things that are outside of our normal days, there's going to be um, an advantage to not having a whole lot of people that are uninformed and clueless hanging around. And it's not its not that I'm saying that I wish they'd all be gone. It's just that I don't think they're going to be able to take care of themselves. And it's sad because they don't want to even learn it. Um, 
you know, a lot of us, when we've talked about these things, and I know that the people that are in the chat right now are regulars here, and they know because we talk about these things, we've done preparedness, we know how to, you know, substitute one thing for another if we had to. We we have something. We have some skills. And I just see so many people that have none. They can't change a tire. They don't know where the fuse box is or the switch box, the uh, circuit breaker box in the place they live. They have no idea. You know, if the light bulb burns out in their apartment, they have to call somebody. They can't even change a light bulb. This is going to be a problem. So anyway, I, you know, I've, I've told you I've run into some interesting people in the last couple of years, and some of them are, you know, they're really with it, know what's going on. They're all prepared. In fact, probably over-prepared. They're ready. They know <laughs> They know exactly what they're going to do if anything happens, um, who they're going to be with, where they're going to be, the whole thing. And then there's other people just stumbling up and down the sidewalk looking for a bottle to uh, take back for the nickel return or whatever we have here. I don't even know what it is now. I think it's five cents. Um, those people will be left. They're going to be left vulnerable because who's going to be able to get them? Who's going to be able to take care of them? These things bother me because I actually care about humanity. Uh, well, anyway, today's been a little tough because I've been talking to yet another friend who's got problems going on and seems, you know, like they have no solutions. And it's hard because, you know, we've worked our whole life and we shouldn't be having this when we get to the years where we're supposed to finally get a payoff and enjoy things. We're not enjoying. Why? Because somebody else was selfish and took. Ugh. All right, so here's the thing. Um, right now, I, you know, finally broke down and decided that it was time since it's actually overtime. I should have done it sooner, but to apply for Social Security. And I shouldn't say apply, but to sign up for because it is actually ours. It's something we paid to. It's not someone else's money. It's ours. Um, and trying to get it back so that... It can be used for what it was intended, which was to help with retirement and at the end, you know the end of life bills and all that stuff that people have. Um, and I was very surprised to find out that the appointments for signing up were a month away or close to it. I, I actually said to the person on the phone, "My gosh, a month!" Yeah. So anyway, I got a letter today in the mail, and it said you could do it online. And if you do accomplish it online and finish it online, then you can cancel your appointment. Well, you know, that's all well and good um, if people don't have any questions or anything. Uh, I just feel like, where's our service? We should be getting service from some of these people that, you know, have gotten paid good, paid good salaries, actually, for a, over a long period of time to take care of one particular job. And... You know, I'm not usually too crabby about these things because I've done things before where you serve the public and you have to, um, you know, take into account many different kinds of individuals and get along with everyone. And I've done that. I've been happy to do it. Most of the time people are nice and they do their best they can. But it's getting to the point now where I'm getting almost like crabby about the fact that people are getting paid and they can't do the one thing that they have to do, their one job. You know, if they're a scheduler and they can't schedule something or they, you know, they tell you it's scheduled and then you get a notice saying you need to call and schedule something. And it's like it's one job. You have one job. 
why are you having trouble with this one thing? You know, if you worked in a factory and the only thing you had to do was put one screw into one place, why would you have a problem doing that? It's so simple. The job description's not even complex. All right, I'm wandering already and I've just started. This is not a good sign. It usually means I'm tired and my brain's starting to go into creative mode, so I'm making up stuff in my imagination. So I'm going to get back on track here. I want to welcome everyone here. It's only been like, what, 10 minutes that I've been on, and I'm already wandering. This is the way my brain works. If somebody comes in late to this show or listens to the replay of it, um, I just want to say that the whole idea for this was to expand on the um, programs that were being done for Able Danger by Field McConnell and David Hawkins. And that was in 2011, I believe, that I started doing this. Um, That particular idea didn't last very long because things were moving too rapidly and it was like the focus started to turn away from that. It enters into it because I do still follow along with Able Danger. I still submit things that I know about or something new that I think people might want to know because they're studying on all these different aspects of the world situation. But for the most part, um, I've tended to go towards focusing more on issues that are like, um, rather than actual evidence of crimes, it would be more like um, influence of corrupt individuals in the world or seeing the connections between this person and that person and why I think it's significant. Um, Anecdotes from my real life, things that I've observed over the course of the week or two since the last time that I was on. And so a lot of the things that I talk about now are quite different, even though there is a a little bit of a thread that holds everything together. Um, The evidence that's been uncovered by the Able Danger group, the the, uh, people that go regularly to listen to the programs and contribute that have um, done research in various areas or been in the right place at the right time to see something happen and know for certain that it's true. Um, That kind of thing is so interesting to me, and if I could do it 24 hours a day, I would. I absolutely love researching. I like to find out that little piece somewhere, Um, talk to people about what I think is going on, you know, formulate some theories on it. I love that stuff. I would live and breathe that if I could. But, you know, there's other things that have to enter into life. And one of them is making sure you have a place to live and something to eat because those are two of the uh, necessities of life that we learned when we were kids. Food, (laughs) shelter, and the other one was clothing, which most of us have way too much of, so I never worry about the clothing part. I figure I can always find something to put on. Um, so anyway, with that in mind, um, we have been selling stuff. We've been trying to raise some money to finalize some of the bills that are still hanging out there, get them over with so that we can get down to a more reasonable expense each month of just our living expenses. Pretty much we're down to that now anyway, just out of necessity, but It would be nice not to have to worry about things. I'm tired of worrying about things. Most of my friends are in the same boat. They're sick of it. I know people who are just, they're just getting rid of everything they have. They just don't care anymore. It's like I'll live in a camper. You know, I want to be happy. Life's too short, especially now for us baby boomers. Life's getting very short, and it's time. 
we don't need this stuff. Our families don't want it. So we decided this past weekend we would have a yard sale, and we had a, a pretty big yard sale. We were a little nervous because the first day we started late and nobody came, and we were like, oh, no, we're stuck. Now we're stuck. We can't get rid of this stuff even cheap. We can't get rid of it. But Saturday, um, we had quite a few people come, and we met some really interesting people because we always talk to everybody. And um, we met some neighbors from up the street. We met people who were millennials, um, actually quite a few of them. And we met uh, old duffers, as we call them up here, the ones that, um, you know, they basically are going to a yard sale because they're lonely and they want some company from someone Um you know, they tell their stories, they tell what they remember about some of the stuff they see. They go, you know, I used to have that or whatever. Um, nobody really needs anything badly. They just want something cheap and some conversation. That's how yard sales have changed apparently since, you know, the 80s when people were actually buying things. Like as soon as you stuck them out, they were wanting it. They don't want them anymore. They don't want stuff anymore for the most part. They want something useful. They want something they know right now they're going to be able to use. Not to speculate on, not to hoard, not to, you know, keep because it's pretty. They want to use it. So what we decided we were going to do was we were going to have a $1 table. And during the course of Saturday, we put out two tables and filled them and things all around them and under them for $1. We put... um, Sunday morning we did a few hours too because we still had things left. We still did $1. We put some other things out there for $1 that were $2 or $3 the day before. People stopped. They dug through things. They picked out a ton of stuff, and they paid a dollar a piece for it. Some of the things were worth a lot more than that, but they had no worth to us. They were taking up space in our life. They were in the way. And I'm telling you right now that if you have a lot of stuff to get rid of and you don't care about it, sell it for a dollar. Sell it to somebody who needs it. We had people who um, were still working. You could tell they were hardworking people like contractors and that kind of thing where they're driving up in an old beater truck and they took things that were useful to them that we would never use again because I'm not a landlord anymore and I'm not going to be a landlord again more than likely would be very, very unusual circumstances for me to ever do that again. But, um, you know, just stuff, what I call stuff, things you don't need. We had bins of stuff that we had in case we needed to repair something. And we're not going to use that in our lifetime. You know, three or four of common items, sometimes even more than that. Yeah, it might be something you pay three or four dollars for brand new but for a dollar oh man it was just it was very interesting how little people were spending but how many people stopped um the most expensive thing that anyone bought was a rocking chair that i tried to sell out front for two or three weeks and it just was out there so much i said you know nobody wants it they think something's wrong with it at this point and this woman bought it that was the most expensive thing anybody bought I don't think there was much money spent. We didn't make a lot of money, but we got rid of some stuff, and we met a lot of really cool people, like I said, really cool, telling their stories about their life. 
I met several people from the Navy. I found that very interesting because it's like, how often do you run into people from the Navy? So I got a little suspicious of that, and that's just because of the kinds of work that we do. Um, you know, we have we have a lot of uh, military input, and we give a lot of information to the military people, both retired and people who are in positions right now, decision-making positions. And so when I saw two or three different people who, I mean, they were wearing something that said Navy on it, and I mentioned it and talked to them a little bit about things. It was kind of interesting because I thought, you know, are they are these people sending somebody over here to just check it out, see who I am? You know, like, is she a threat or so or something like that? I wouldn't be surprised because, honestly, I really think that is how they do it a lot of times. They just send somebody over. Um, so we had some interesting talks with some of these people. Um, they, for the most part, had like um, just very little to say, but what they did say was interesting. That's all I can say. Um, we had a couple of people who were talking about opportunities to do jobs, which was kind of nice. Haven't heard any callbacks or not, but I don't know. Maybe they're still working on the background checks. Who knows? But as far as I'm, I'm talking about jobs, like regular jobs in town, not anything bigger than that. Too bad. I'd like to get paid what some of those people get paid. I could go snoop around on people really well if they want me to. That's what librarians do. They can research. I can find out who's related to who most of the time. And if they don't have any relatives that you can find anywhere or any stories about them and they've been alive for three or four decades, you have to wonder whether or not it's their real name anymore. Because people, you know, they didn't hide their identity. There was no reason to. So anybody who has no identity going back a ways, you know that they're not who they say they are right off the bat. All right, so what else about that? Let's see. Um, I think we had some Canadians stop that were like maybe on vacation or something. We had a bunch of kids, five or six kids in a van. It was like, man, that's a big family. <laughs> um and the father took a lot of a lot of stuff that he could do repairs with and stuff. I think he had a contracting business of some kind. Anyway, that's pretty much it. We didn't have too much of value, but we did get rid of some things that were taking up space. I still have gotten my piano unpiled, though. Oh, my gosh, if we ever get there. We found some interesting stuff in the house, and we have been selling some things on eBay. Um, that takes a lot of time, too, because you have to research it. You have to find out if it's worth anything or not. Cause there's no point in putting things on eBay if you're just going to watch them go through the seven-day auction and not sell. So we've been learning about a lot of things and what people want. <laughs> Bizarre stuff is what they want. But still, I'm going to my theme of they want useful stuff. They want things that they can use immediately. Nothing to hang around with, nothing that's pretty, so if you've got your Grammy's old china and you think it's beautiful and it's worth a lot of money, it isn't anymore. Unless you want to box it up for target practice or something because probably there are people that would love to shoot it and see how many pieces it breaks in. They don't care about that stuff anymore. And it's sad, but it's true, and I don't think it's coming back. The reason is they don't want it. The ones that are adults now with families, they don't want it, and certainly their children aren't going to want something fussy like that if they weren't raised around it. 
we were. We thought it was something that was valuable. It belonged to our grandparents. The younger generation doesn't know our grandparents. They don't care about our grandparents' stuff. So my advice is get rid of it as soon as possible. Stop worrying about it. You're not going to hand it down to anybody. If by some chance you have a relative who's going to come in and take your stuff when you're gone, they're going to sell it or they're going to junk it or they're going to call someone to come in your house and go through everything and get rid of it after they take what they want. Um, I've seen this with friends of mine, and it's very sad and disheartening when you know that most of what was in the house was valued by that person, but they're now gone. So think about that stuff while you're you know, planning your end of life or you know, your big escape to living in a cabin in the woods or something. Plan on what you're going to do with all the stuff that you have around you that doesn't mean a damn thing. And what I look at, I know I'm on another sideline, but I figure while I'm here, I may as well go for it. What I look at is I look at what is really valuable to me, what I would take if I had two hours to vacate my house um, because it's going to be you know, bulldozed down or whatever the city decided it needed to do to it. <clears throat> what would I take? Each room, what's the most valuable thing in each room and what would I take and how much could I fit into my car? because I don't think I'd be buying a truck to take it. I mean, it's possible. Maybe I could put some stuff in a trailer and tow behind, but, you know, I'm not taking my old 1976 refrigerator with the Harvest Gold on the front. I'm not taking that. I'm not taking an old rusty wood stove. Well, it's not too badly rusted, but it's getting there. I'm not taking that probably wouldn't take some big antique that I love but couldn't travel well or go into a camper in the woods somewhere. So I probably wouldn't take that. Um, so what would I take? You know, I'd probably take pictures of my family, which is what most people say. I'd want my pictures of my family. I would want my, um, you know, things that were really important to me as a remembrance of something or someone but not too much of that either, maybe a bag full of it, just so that if wherever I landed, I would have something that felt like home. And that's about it. The rest of it is all survival stuff. It's like, what are you going to do? You need food, and you need shelter. You don't need clothing because you already have way too much. Most people do, piles of it. Can't even donate it out of your house. There's still going to be more. So think on those things. I'm not being fatalistic. I'm saying that people are scaring the crap out of people. They're trying to scare the crap out of the baby boomers. Don't ask me why. I think it it gives somebody a little boost, ego boost and a power boost to think that they're scaring people to death. But I don't really feel like there's a huge amount of danger because I think a lot of things that people are talking about in order to scare people are basically just to control them. You know, if we did have a huge catastrophe, like, say, this little tin pot dictator that looks like a little, I don't know, I've I've seen people like him around, and they're usually somebody you want to kick in the butt. It, it doesn't look like somebody who's scary. It looks like somebody that you just want to kick in the butt because they're just mouthy little, you know, I want to say the word turd. I feel like it's below, <laughs> below the discourse. However, I can't think of another word for him. That's what he looks like to me as a little turd. You can't let people like that hold everyone hostage 
or have everyone in fear. And I hear people saying, you know, that the president is speaking too strongly and he's saying things that he shouldn't say because he's going to, you know, inflame this little tin pot dictator turd. And I don't care whether he's inflamed or not. We don't even know if the stupid story is true because there's people even questioning that. They're saying, do you think he's really doing these things? Is he really saying these things? Or are we just being told that? And that is because our government has a very bad credibility problem. We didn't design that credibility problem. We've just been the victims of it. I mean, it's been all our life we've been lied to. Media is lying to us. Our politicians lie to us. They don't even care. They'll smile right to your face and tell you a complete untruth, a lie, a huge lie sometimes. And they know. They know they're doing it. So, you know, I don't really believe everything I hear and I don't believe everything I see anymore. Uh, in general, I feel like that the country is going in the right direction. I feel, I still feel that President Trump is doing what he believes is right. Um, I haven't seen anything really that would make me doubt that, and I am skeptical about those kinds of things. It's not something that I want to just, you know, automatically believe anymore. <laughs> you know, I've been tricked before, though. I've been tricked by people that I believed. And I'm ashamed to say it didn't happen just once or twice. You know, I tend to want to believe people and take them at face value. You know, whatever they tell me, I look at them and I size up whether or not I think they're telling me the truth or not. And I've been wrong. So, yeah, I'm watching everything because I want to know if we're on the right path or not. Like I could do anything if if we weren't. (laughs) Couldn't do anything anyway. But I would maybe try to help along a situation to correct because that's always what I'm going to be doing. That's my motivation. I want to help people. I want them to be happy, and I want them not to be scared and worried, and especially the people that I know who are very good people who have spent their whole life serving other people who are now in a position where they have to worry every single day. It makes me angry as hell. Okay, so I got sidetracked a little bit again. And what I do is I turn my chair and I'm not looking at the screen, so I don't even know what's going on. So I'm going to come back in here and say hi once again. Now it's been a half an hour since I've been blabbing. Um, I sat down in my chair and I wrote down a few things because I knew that I needed to get in tonight and have a call. And I was like, what am I going to talk about? Okay, North Korea. We don't really know what's going on over there for certain. We're hearing stories. We're hearing that there's lots of threats going on. And, I mean, some of the reports that people are talking about in the in the um, alternative media sites, I mean, they're saying things like, you know, he's already done something. He's already, you know, said what he's going to do. He's now responding to Trump, et cetera. There's all kinds of headlines everywhere. Lots of stuff is, is putting people on edge. I don't know the truth to any of it. Obviously, I don't have any way of verifying any of that stuff. I just see it around, and it makes you know makes me nervous too. I mean, I'm not I'm not an inhuman person like some of the robots we see around us. I do worry about people, um, but the way I look at it is, we'll know when the time comes. 
if something happens. We'll know. We'll be told then. So I won't worry about it until I hear it from an official source that something's happened. I'm not going to worry about it. Um, one of the things that I can do is if I hear anything going on here, such as mobilizations of any kind, which I would tend to know because I'm near the airport, and that's where the 101st refueling wing is, uh, the maniacs, they call them. Um, when there's something going on in the world, a lot of times you'll hear air traffic increase by quite a bit, actually. It's noisy, it's nearby, and it's something that we used to hear all the time, but we don't anymore. So when we do hear it, it's notable. So I would be able to surmise that something's going on if there is suddenly a lot of air traffic. There isn't tonight. It's quiet up here and peaceful. Um, I have heard that we have a um, guard. It's the main guard. I'm trying to think what their particular expertise is. There's less than 30 of them, I believe, and they're going to be deploying for a year, I think. It was just in the paper yesterday. I'll try to look it up before the end of the night. Um, that's unusual. They don't usually deploy for any extended periods or anything unless something's going on. So all they said was to Asia. They didn't say we're in Asia, and Asia is pretty darn large. So we could guess, but I'm not going to. But that's one thing I've noticed that's different in the last few days that was in the paper. Um, Dottie's here. Maybe she heard about that, and she can stick a link in if she did. If she didn't, I'll look for it, because it was in the Bangor Daily News. Um, Godlike Productions, um, as you know, if you come to this show very often, I read that several times a day. I look down through the different threads on there and see what's going on. If there's anything breaking news, it's usually on there. There's just a ton of stuff on there about North Korea and the various um, various natural things that are occurring soon, like um, the eclipse. Um, there's different things like that that people are talking about. I um, can't think of anything that really stood out to me. Normally it'll be things like what Donald Trump said today, you know, as far as if, if President Trump had a press conference, somebody will have posted things about that or a link to it. Um, Godlike Productions had a severe uh, DDoS attack, they call it, which is something um, dedicated denial of service, I think is what it stands for, some type of a hacker attack in the last couple days, and their site was completely taken down by it. Um, and now they're using a different type of um, program to stop those. So it's back up, and it seems to be running okay right now, but... They've been attacked. There's a lot of different ways that these different sites have been attacked. Hard to say whether it's government or, you know, people who just are wanting to raise heck with people. Or it's hard to know who it is or who's doing some of these things. Today, while I was listening to the Able Danger show, I had a power outage of about one, one or two seconds. That's all it was. I was listening. Um, it was, of course, it's always at a good spot, right? And my computer just went pop. Everything went black. Um, and I looked around because I wanted to know if it's my computer or the power because it was during the day, so I didn't have any lights on. And I heard my uh, printer and fax machine 
resetting, so I knew it was the power. Don't know what happened. I had to take everything down, restart it in safe mode, and then take it down again, restart it again. I don't know what's going on. I thought it was kind of odd, though. It's not like something that happens all the time over here. We don't live in an area where we have a power outage for no particular reason. So it was very strange. Um, And then tonight when I was watching the news, um, it was Channel 7, which I don't really like, but I like to see what they how they're talking about certain stories. I like to hear how they spin things. That's why I watch that one. Um, it lost the signal several times during the course of that half hour and not before and not after. Same station. I hadn't changed it. I thought that was pretty odd too because the, the screen froze and then it, there was no signal. And that happened, I bet it happened at least four times while I was watching that show. We get our television over just a little homemade rabbit ear type antenna. I take it over the air. It's not over a cable or anything. So I don't know what the story was there either. <laughs> it's gone. Signal just gone. Um, in the past couple of weeks, my Internet has just suddenly gone down for no reason. Um, I get my Internet over the telephone line. It's a DSL connection. So... Things are happening with communications. I don't know if it's, you know, trying to harden some of the uh, structures, if it's hacking, if it's, you know, overload of some type. I don't know. Don't know. Probably won't know. But I find that strange, too. Um, I've been reading stuff about an asteroid that's supposed to be going close to the Earth soon. I've seen lots of those things in the past, too, and usually nothing happens, nobody notices it, nobody talks about it. So I have not given it a lot of attention, and if it should turn out that I should have given it a lot of attention, then I'll do that later. I'm not going to worry about it today. Okay, um, the story about Paul Manafort and the Trump campaign and the Trump administration I'm finding that story pretty interesting, and so are a couple of other people that I know closely. And the reason is, is because that happened July 26th, and it hit the news like yesterday, as though it was something that just happened yesterday. We all found that strange. You know, why did it take so long to put it in the newspaper or talk about it? And why, if that's the case, didn't they say that this happened the end of July instead of like it just happened yesterday. It was it was deceptive. It was reporting that was deceptive. Um, I haven't even gone to look at any of those stories yet. Apparently, um, he had an early morning raid before he was even awake in the morning, and that's we- that's weird too. I look at that as like retaliatory types of stuff. There's no reason to be raiding somebody before they're even awake in the morning especially if you could just go to the door at 9.30 or something and ask. There's no reason to go and do that. That's a, To me, that's a thing to um, prove a point or to um, put somebody in a, a fear position. So that's something I'd be looking at some more because to me that was just odd. The whole thing about that was odd. Okay, I heard tonight on the news that, I think it was on the news, 
that Trump thanked Putin for downsizing the embassy over there um, because that was going to save us a lot of money. That sounds totally like Donald Trump. Like, yeah, you did this thing to us. Well, thank you, because that was actually a blessing. Um, We don't need to send them back over. Yeah, it sounds a little junior high. I agree with that. But it's like, what do you want him to say? Oh, my gosh, they sent some of our people home. Never show any kind of weakness or fear when you have an adversary like that. You have to always give it back. You have to always say, that's fine, I don't care. Because you can't care. You have to you have to act like that when you have people who are not cooperative. And since we don't know that things are any different than what we're being told and, and what we see ourselves, we have to assume that it's still an antagonistic type of relationship and not a cooperative one. So, you know, I find it a little bit funny in a way. I find it almost like comedy. Like, okay, fine, whatever. So you're taking my bicycle. Good, because I wanted a new one anyway, right? Um, It's sort of the never let them see you sweat category. Okay, the next thing. Let's see. Oh, there was a story that I heard on, on the news, and I also saw it on Godlike Productions at almost the same time. It was really eerie. I'd heard about it. I said, oh, my gosh, that sounds like what we talk about sometimes. And then I go and look, and it's on Godlike Productions. Somebody had listed it. Um, apparently, there was um, some question as to whether or not the embassies, uh, the Canadian and the United States embassies in um, Cuba, had been having some type of sonic attack that was making the people sick. Um, I believe it's totally possible to do that. I think you can send frequencies to people and make them sick. You could give them a headache. You could do all kinds of different things to them because you don't, you're not aware of all the frequencies that are hitting you all the time. So that's something I would definitely look into again, um, using a sonic weapon on people. Not cool, especially if Cuba wants to have a good relationship with the United States. It's really not cool at all. So, yeah, I'd be looking at that again. Um, let's see. Uh, Power and signal interruptions, I already talked about that. Suicides, lots of suicides in the news lately. There have been uh, people found dead that have connections to some of the stories going on in in, uh, Washington, D.C. regarding the political parties and the uh, investigations into various individuals. And, uh, you know, like we always say, you know, two shots to the back of the head, um, some suspicious suicides and also people that are young that don't particularly have any health problems turning up dead. And I'm just wondering at this point whether there are people who are being murdered and it looks like a suicide, which is one of the things that a lot of people think, or if some of these people may be committing suicide because they know that they're going down with the rest of them and they're scared. Um, the people that were working, like, for example, the people that were working for the Democratic um, National Committee, um, they had young people doing IT work for them. Those people had no expectation that they would get in trouble for doing things they were hired to do. They weren't government officials or anything. Um, I know people that do this type of thing. They do network you know, work, computer work, 
security work on networks and that type of thing, and they would not feel that they were responsible for something going on on that network that was illegal. They're doing the work for a, a person who has asked them to do it. And, you know, to me, they're like, they, they've been implicated in different things as though they've committed treason themselves or, you know, that they've done something criminal. And some of them, when they went before, like the House Intelligence Committee, I believe it was, when they were pleading the fifth and everything and people were having such a fit about it, well, why would they want to incriminate themselves in something that they did as part of their work for a client? You know, these are separate companies that do, you know, do that type of work. They do computer work and and uh, network work. Now, I'm not going to say that because you know her people were in trouble, also in trying to flee the country and stuff. That they didn't do something wrong. Maybe they did. I don't have any idea what the whole story is behind the scenes. But some of these people, if they were really in fear for their life or in fear you know, that they're going to go to prison for something they did. Maybe some of those suicides are actually suicides. I don't know. I just think there's an awful lot of people suddenly turning up dead in regards to these various investigations and stories, and all of a sudden there's no witnesses to uh, testify about anything. So the sooner they bring the actual criminals to justice, the better. That's how I look at it. You know, you can't have people out there doing whatever they want and no consequences and having others think that there's nothing wrong because they haven't been brought to justice. I hear that every day, somebody saying, you know, Hillary Clinton didn't do anything wrong because if she had, they would have already arrested her. They've already cleared her name. That's how people feel that are on Hillary Clinton's side. They think that she's innocent and she's just had, you know, horrible run of, bad luck with these horrible people that are Republicans and Trump supporters. They're just poor Hillary, you know. That causes a lot of damage to the country because it doesn't just encourage other people to do whatever they want because, after all, maybe they should get away with it too, but also the fact that it's breaking up all kinds of, um, you know, trust and relationships and everything else because people think that, somebody's after poor Hillary, poor girl. I mean, it's just terrible how they chase her down and everything. And she's just so, such a sweet thing. She's such a sweet woman. Look at all she's done. Look at how, She was the most qualified presidential candidate that we've ever had. Qualified for what? That's what I want to say. But anyways, we have to be nicer because we're losing everybody. We're losing all our people because they don't, they don't want to hear it. The biggest thing that happened in the last week or so that I was so excited about was um, the um, the work that Jay Sekulow's group did in getting the, e- what was it, 400 pages or was it 400 separate emails? I can't remember now which it was, but they were going down through the um, timeline as to how the cover-up and the spin for that meeting on the tarmac how long each thing took, and it was very quick Quick, how it went up the chain from um, when they first realized they were going to have a problem with that, you know, that visibility, well, what do they call it, optics of uh, Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch meeting on the tarmac. 
the FBI is supposed to protect the Attorney General, and so they had already said they didn't want any photographers there, and then some local person got a picture of Bill Clinton and Loretta Lynch together. Well, what would be the point of not having any pictures other than to not have the meeting ever have occurred? In other words, just, you know, have it never, having it be a non-event, basically. Um, And so they went down through each thing as the emails were passed around. Um, Loretta Lynch's alias, on the emails was Elizabeth Carlisle, which I guess was her grandmother's name. And they were talking about talking points for you know, the media. They, During the course of all this, there, there were communications with the Washington Post and with the New York Times. They were all, I mean, you want to talk collusion? That was collusion. Um, they were trying to figure out what they should do about the fact that people were going to know about this meeting. So, you know, it was golf and grandchildren. And um, there's lots to that. I mean, tons. If you get a chance, go and and listen to the previous uh, probably two or three days of the Jay Sekulow show. It was, um, I watched it online. It's online at noon, noon to one. Um, you can get it on Periscope. You can get it on Facebook. I'm not sure if it's on YouTube. It might be after after a day or so. I'm not sure. You can also go to their web page, which is aclj.org. Um, and um, they're just doing phenomenal work. There's lots of real-life facts on that show, and they pack it in. People call in, too, and they talk about different things, but... They have um, lawyers, they have um, retired military, um, and they they get to the facts. If they don't know them, they don't say their facts. I really think that they're doing a great job over there right now. And I'm interested to hear more about this because I don't see how they're going to cover it all up, especially if millions of people already know. Um, I am going to... Uh, look into what's going on now in here. Okay. See, I still, okay. Where did I start? Okay, right here. Eating corn on the cob. That's John. <clears throat> Talking about food. Come on, you guys. Me too, though, huh? People have been here for years on UDA. Yeah, they have. 2011. I think it was February that I started. Not sure, but I believe it was. So it's been like, yeah, long time. Six years plus. We're on episode number 284 now of me droning on about things. Um, can't bug out. Must stay here. You know, eight. I had said that we were going to, you know, be ready to bug out. I felt the same way. I was like all those many years ago that, uh, you know, just take the camper and go somewhere and just get out of town basically. But now I know I think I'm just going to stay here, take my chances. If I get some kind of uh, message from God or something to get the hell out of town, I will. But other than that, yeah, it's like, you know, what are we going to do, run around and, eat twigs. 
uh, no thanks. And if it gets so rough, which I really don't think so, I think they show us those movies to scare the crap out of people. I don't really think it'll ever get that bad. But if it did, you know, there's worse things. I don't want to hang around in that kind of world anyway, honestly. Do I want to live like Mad Max? I don't think so. So <clears throat> that's my feeling anyway. I'll do what I can to help people around me. And remember when I used to talk about that, I said first you have your you have your family, then you have your neighbors on either side, and then you have your block, and then you have your you know, your side of your block, and then you have your whole block. And if you live in the in the countryside you probably just go down the road a mile or so in either direction and see if you can help people and that's it. If everybody did that the whole world would be fine. Because everyone would be doing that. They'd have help. That's all we need. <clears throat> My view anyway. Let's see. A lot of dingbats who out there claiming they can take care of themselves, but they can't pay the rent. That's right, Valam. Can't pay the rent, can't tie their own shoes. And I'm not saying if you're handicapped that that's a bad thing, or if we're allowed to even say handicapped anymore. If you have trouble tying your shoes and you have a hard time, that's one thing. But if you're just damn lazy, that's another thing. Um, how do these... Low IQ people get HR positions at Google. Very funny, Desert Peak. Good question, too. Um, thank you for saying good for you. I don't know what it was, but thank you anyway. Low IQ, just follow orders. Swamped at SS. Yes, eight. I, one of my friends said, well, that's because they're taking in all these illegals and they got to sign them up. That's fine. You know, that's fine. It's all going to get settled at some point, you know. That stuff is basically paperwork. You have to you have to have people who are if you're going to do these systems and most of them as we know are not even really legal systems cuz the government's not supposed to be doing all this stuff. They have certain responsibilities like I said earlier. You have a responsibility do that job. Make sure you do that job. If you want to branch out afterwards if you got unlimited funds that you have left over after you've taken care of the responsibility you have, that's fine. But you don't do the other stuff and then say, oh, whoops, we ran out. Now we can't help you. That's BS, as you know. Okay. Swamped at S, yes. Yes, they are. They told me that they no longer took walk-ins because they don't have enough staff. And I don't know if that's actually – it's probably true that they don't have enough staff because there's never enough staff when you have clerical jobs. People are always waiting. But – it's in the same building where Senator Collins's office is and the federal court. And so they probably just don't want a bunch of people in there. I found that most most of these buildings now, they don't want to have to deal with the public. It's like, you know, something they um, discourage. You know, you walk in, the first thing you see is like people in a uniform and a metal detector. It's like, no thanks, I just soon not come in your building. <laughs> you know, it's not not one of my favorite places to be. So I don't really care if I go in that building again. It used to have a post office in it, so I used to go in it all the time. But now the post office moved out, and now it's just like a little fortress down there, all all built, you know, remodeled millions and millions of dollars. Uh, it had a big sign out front about how Obama did it. I mean, really, 
I don't know if I have a picture of that sign. If I do, I'll find it. But it it was it basically put his name on it as though he did the project himself. It was all it was all about Obama. So now it's just a federal building. So let's see. Stephen Molino, I think that's how you say it. Um, I've watched a few things of his. Um, I can't remember my feelings about that. It seems like I liked some of the things that he did, but I started to get this, um, I don't know, insincere vibe. I'll have to watch one again and see if I still get that. I haven't listened to any of his stuff for a while, but I did I did listen to quite a few about maybe a, a year ago, maybe. And I can see his face in my mind, but I can't really remember what his topics were about. So I'd have to go back and look again and refresh my, my memory. Um, Valley M saying he talks too fast, and Eight saying he's listened to Stefan before. Okay, Eight, do you have a pension with the school system? Um, I had a state retirement. I was not a teacher, so I didn't have a large amount of money built up because I wasn't paid like they were, even though I was doing as much and sometimes more. Um, I didn't have the you know, degree and all that. I didn't have a classroom. I was a librarian. So um, when I had my job downsized and I left, uh, they were going to take away my benefits, et cetera, and I left. I said, I'm not staying for two days a week. Sorry, I've been working full-time for 15 years for you, and I've done all this stuff. I'm not doing it. So when I left, I needed to do something, so I took my state retirement early and got penalized for that. But I had to do it because I wouldn't have had anything to live on. So, And it wasn't that much, but I did have state retirement of being a school person, and those people get screwed Pardon my French. If uh, if I knew then what I know now, I never would have done it. But I thought I was, you know, making. I did make the decision based on the reality at the time, which was that I had a husband who was earning good money. Um, we had insurance through him. I had insurance through my job as well, and I was making eh, money. But you know, I could have done something different with my life, but didn't because I thought I should contribute to the wonderful education of our younger people and to be part of the, you know, the, I don't want to even say that friggin' word community, but I will. Be part of the community. I don't like that word anymore. But I was contributing. That's what I was doing. I was giving from myself, not for money. Real, not realizing that apparently I should have been doing everything for money. I should have been like Kevin on the Shark Tank. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just not going to make enough money, so I'm out. Yeah, no, I didn't do that. I was participating in the betterment of all that was wonderful in the United States, only to realize afterwards that we were totally indoctrinating the kids and that my labors were not appreciated to the point they should have been because I was just there to help them do it to the kids. I didn't know. There's a lot of people who have the same feeling now in their baby boomer years that we somehow um, unwittingly helped this situation occur. And so do you think we're a little ticked off and maybe want to change things now? 
I'm one of the ones that's ticked off and wants to change things now. I'm really upset about the stuff that was going on with, um, I, I think it would, well, I'm going to say it this way. I'm thinking it would have bothered me less had I not realized afterwards that it was a deliberate thing on their part in the planning for like the UN Agenda 2030, et cetera. I was thinking it was for the purposes of what we all were talking about, as in the um, the consensus as to how things should go with education, not that there was some kind of other plan going on. And I'm telling you, my eyes have been opened quite a bit about that stuff. Oh, the whole thing. I mean, Charlotte, as everybody will say, she knows how much I, I just adore that woman. She absolutely knew. She knew what was going on. She was telling people about it for decades, and nobody was listening. And when I listen to her and I hear her talk about what she knew about and, and you know, way back when and her experiences, um, she she touched on all kinds of things that I know for for a fact are true because I participated in some of the things that she talked about um, or had, you know, other knowledge like, for example, public television and the, the family foundations and how they use their money to force cultural changes that they wanted to see. They used their grants for that. They used their their wealth to control our culture. The day that, that I listened to a whole bunch of YouTube videos with Charlotte talking about um, the things that they had learned, um, she she did all kinds of research on that that kind of thing about the um, how they used you know funding and how the Department of Education was organized and she recognized right off what was going on. Well, anyway, um, the day that I started listening to all those videos, I didn't get dressed. I was listening to the videos and writing notes for like eight hours that day, I think. And somebody came in to see me in the afternoon about four o'clock, and I said, I can't even talk to you because my head is full of um, just spinning thoughts about all the things that I believed before, all the things that I thought were wonderful, things I aspired to do in my future life, like, for example, have a foundation where I could donate money to these wonderful things. Oh, my gosh. I was just like, this disgusts me. I'm really ticked off right now. <laughs> and there's nobody to talk to about it because the person that's sitting here right now is a freaking liberal. No. It was true, though. It was somebody who loved all that stuff, loved all the stuff about the foundations, think people like Stephen King are just like the best things that sliced bread because of all the good works that he's done. <sighs> anyway, back then, back in the old days, back in the school days, I thought Stephen King and his wife were doing some pretty good things too. I don't think so now, but I did then. would have been the 80s, probably the 80s. Yeah, that's when he first started getting um, a lot of um, attention for all the work that he and his wife were doing as far as, you know, donating money to libraries, and they had, like, helped build a baseball park, and they did all kinds of different things, probably, probably in other states too, but in our area and around Maine, they did a lot of projects for different groups and towns and libraries and 
schools, and oh, it was just so wonderful. Anyway, I just, ooh, maybe we need some more wealthy people who see what's going on who can counteract some of this stuff. I don't know, but it bothers me so much that somebody now sits in front of a computer and writes uh, a report on every every child instead of interacting with the child and teaching them something. Instead, they write a report so that they can have everything in a computer about that child. And anybody who has a sane brain knows that you can't you can't capture a child or an adult or any any living thing on a computer program. It's not possible. You could put measurements, but you can't get that little spark that makes them different than the kids sitting next to them. Maybe in my next life I'll be a teacher again. You never know. Okay, I'm going back in here because that was another sidetrack. Let's see. Um, John is packing. That can have many different <laughs> that can have many different connotations. So I don't know exactly which kind of packing you're doing, but see, crypto coins are proving to be a roller coaster without the tracks. Bitcoin is the only one with a hint of stability. I keep hearing people talking about Bitcoin all around the different forums as well. They all have different opinions about that too. Um, James can put in a, a link about crypto blockchain something and enslaving humanity. Um, yeah, Valley I'm saying a 10 cent table didn't draw a crowd after buying a $5 permit and an ad in the paper usually broke even. Yeah, they're not what they used to be, Valley M, that's for sure. We happened to hit, uh, well, we didn't have just normal household stuff. We had a lot of um, useful things like gas cans and, you know, um, plumbing fittings and just stuff that costs a lot when you have to go buy it. Like if you're doing a project, you'd have to pay 4 or $5 a piece for things. Um, let's see. So sort stuff, pack it in boxes, secondhand to come by and take it to their store. Unless you have kids stuff, yard sales don't do well around here. True, we have people selling a lot of kids stuff here too, and it's because the people have nothing. So if they have kids, they want to get something for them. So they, then sometimes they'll beg for it for free too. They'll say, you know, I don't have any money. Can you know? Does anybody have a bed for my child? Like, you need a bed for your child. Good grief. Um. Yeah, you have to take the piano. I'm hoping I'm going to have my piano by Christmas at least. I hope. It's still got a lot of stuff on it. There's stuff all around it. It's not a grand piano, thank goodness. There'd be way more stuff on it if it was a grand piano. It's just a regular piano, an upright piano. And uh, we're the, the pile's getting a little less because we're selling stuff and we're cleaning out. And every time you pull something out, everything else falls over. And if it's glass, it breaks. So then you have less stuff because you just sweep it up, throw it away, and then you have even less. So you think I'm kidding? I'm not. Okay. Hide paper behind the wallpaper. Guess what he forgot when he moved? 
Yeah, Desert Pete. People would put things in picture frames. You'd go to auctions and people would look behind the pictures in the picture frames and find things a lot of times. It's good if it's money. That would be great. Find money in the picture frames. Um, houses bulldozed, yep. I can tell you right now there's a check behind my kitchen cabinets because it fell down in there and I couldn't get it in the space between the wall and the cabinet. And it was just like somebody bought something on eBay and this would have been back probably in the 90s. Um, and they paid by check back then. A lot of people paid by check back then. And I put it on top of like canisters on the kitchen counter and, and I went to grab for it and it started to fall and it went shoot right down, just like it went into a slot on purpose. So someday when the cabinets are ripped out, there's going to be a check in there. With my own stupidity. Um, maybe it's kind of quiet for a Thursday out here, too. That's Desert Peak. Maybe they're in their underground bunkers instead of flying planes. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I have a feeling things are going on. I really do. As you know, the Navy goes everywhere. So. What info are you looking for? Oh, Dottie, is that because I said about that news article? I'll have to think because now I can't even remember. But maybe I will when I go look in a couple minutes. Oh, it was about um, the guard going to Asia. There was like, I think they said 23 people or something were going to go to Asia. They have certain special skills of some kind. So... Um, if that's what you're talking about, John, I agree. If you if that's what you meant when you said they're supposed to be here, the guard's supposed to be here in the United States and not supposed to be going overseas. If that's what you meant, I agree. I don't usually look at eclipses. I remember seeing one when I was a child. We made a little box so we could see it. I don't have a need to look directly at the sun for any reason, so I'm not going to. But maybe, I don't even know if it's going to be over Maine. I haven't even looked at the map. Maybe you were attached by microwave beams. <clears throat> I was talking to some friends this past week. Somebody came up from down south to visit, and we all, a bunch of us went to lunch together. And we were talking about being connected to people psychically. Like if you have someone close to you that you know when something's wrong because you can feel it. And I told her, I said, this was really weird. I said the day that John McCain had his operation to remove a blood clot from the top of his eyeball, my eye hurt in the same spot all morning. I did not know what was wrong. I kept rubbing my eye saying, this hurts really bad. I don't know what the heck's going on. What would make my eye ache like this? Then the afternoon I heard that he had this thing done, and I went, oh, my God, I hope I'm not connected to John McCain. I have no idea why it would hurt. I didn't know anything about that. Obviously, I didn't hear about it in advance or anything, and I haven't had the pain since. So weird, weird stuff happens all the time. Strange. 
and it's really the first time I can think of that I ever had something weird like that happen with a person I've never met or really know much about. Pasta Alfredo with fresh from the garden, green onions over the top, a side of fresh from garden, sliced tomatoes. You want green onion on yours, John. Oh, they're back cooking again. They took papers that Manafort already gave Congress. FBI must have been jealous that Congress got the info first. I'm telling you. Eight saying targeted individuals. Yeah, I keep hearing about targeted individuals too. Somebody came on here one night was talking about that they believe they were a targeted individual. It was a woman. I don't know if you remember. She was very concerned about it. She never came back. She was just here for a one-shot wonder. Um, and yes, I believe there's people who are targeted. Absolutely, I do. It's not that hard to do it. Why wouldn't they? They love making people miserable. They love chaos. So, yeah, I would not find that strange at all. Uh, Grasshopper come in with me after I picked the onions. I had to tell him to leave before the kitty found him here. (laughs) People don't want to hear it. They could end up living it, Dottie says. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing that bothers me so much is that Well, I don't really, if it's somebody willfully wanting to ignore what's going on in the world, doesn't want to know anything, doesn't want to learn anything, can't be bothered to, you know, talk to somebody or read something, I I have no sympathy for that. I really don't. It's like, you know, you're an adult. It's your responsibility, especially if you have kids. It's not my job to, you know, worry over all these people. My God, I used to do it all the time and make myself sick. Be like, oh my God, they don't even know. They don't even know. I thought it was because they didn't know. So I'd try to tell them and then they'd turn on me and I'm like, okay, fine. You don't want to know then. That's different than just not knowing. And I was really shocked at how many people were happy not knowing. They don't They don't want to know. Okay, well then don't ask for help when the time comes because you won't even be prepared for a simple thing. And I've had people challenge me and say, well, tell me about it then, prove it. And I go, I've been doing this for years. You think I can condense it down to a five-minute talk? I can't. You're going to have to pick something that you're interested in, something that relates to your life, what you do for work or something else, and go read about it then you'll have something to attach it to so that you can remember. You know, trying to tell somebody who is a farmer about technology is, like, pointless. But someone who works in technology certainly as well knows what's going on and they know how easy it is to spy on people. And these stupid things that people are walking around with that are spying on everybody because it talks, it lets you talk to it. Hello, folks. If it lets you talk to it, it's listening. It's listening for you to talk to it. That's not hard to figure out. So one of the one of the people that came to my yard sale that I told you was a Navy guy, I found out he had one of those things because he was standing there and he says something about what you know, what's the weather gonna be and my boyfriend says to him, starts to say something, I said, He's not talking to you, he's talking to his phone and it started telling him. And I looked at my boyfriend and I was like, yeah, 
We're standing here having a conversation, and that freaking thing is taking it all. Sorry, that's not a swear word where I grew up, so I say it once in a while when I'm frustrated. That thing is listening to everything we say. So, where's, you know, people now, they're getting all upset about the, this is another issue that's come up in Maine. I know I'm going on another sideline. This is how my brain works. This is why I have a hard time getting back down to just a few sentences at a time because this is how my brain works. Okay, so now we're talking about privacy, right? We're talking about spying. Our Secretary of State, Matthew Dunlap, is on the commission that President Trump assigned to look into the election fraud and the election um, regulations and things like that to make sure that our elections are held correctly and that everything is on the up and up. Well, the state of Maine doesn't allow for our information to be given out. So he has refused to give our information out for the state of Maine. And people are some people are on the side that he should do it, and some are on the side because Maine is like 50-50 on any question. Some are on the side that he shouldn't do it, and part of the reason he shouldn't do it, other than they want their privacy and they don't want information given out on people, private stuff, um, is that it's against the law in Maine. So he can't do it the way the current laws are. He cannot give our personal information out. So he's on the commission, and these other things enter into it, and people are now deciding they want to protect their privacy. How brain dead do you have to be to realize that we're way past it? The time to talk about that was a long time ago, like decades ago. And now they want to talk about privacy. The horse has left the barn. That horse is dead. And probably two generations or three or four generations of horses have come and gone in that barn since then. It's it's gone. You don't have any privacy. You have none. Zero privacy. Tell that to 20 people and see how many of them think you're a raving lunatic. But we don't have any privacy at all. There's people right now, if they wanted to, could listen to everything we're saying right now. Me. Because you guys aren't talking. <laughs> you're typing. But they can see that too. They can hear you if you're outside talking. Sitting in your driveway. Not near your stupid little thing that listens and tells you to turn on the lights or turn off the lights or... What is this? What's her name? Alexis or something? Alexa. What is the capital of Brazil? And I know I, I remember telling you guys about being at the lake one night with a group of my friends that I sing with, and we are just talking one night. We'd been there for two or three hours, just chatting away, having a blast, talking about everything. and And I said something, and one of my friend's telephone, smartphone, we don't even call them telephones anymore, smartphone says, that's not very nice. And I looked at him and who said that? And my friend said, that was my phone. I said, you've got to be kidding me. Things, that's not very nice. So now it's not just listening, but it's giving a comment on my conversation. So I went over and had about a 10-minute tirade at the phone and she just kept telling me she didn't understand what that word meant. <laughs> I said, yeah, right. Quit, quit.
trying to fool around with me. I know that you know what that word means. Right. Okay. Lots of food. Lots of food. Bellium says she's staying home too. Everybody else leave town, then it should be good. Yeah, young people run home to Ma and Pa. That that depends on whether or not they've been good to Ma and Pa in the meantime, because a lot of them are abandoning the nest, as they say. They have abandoned their parents, and because um, they're they're way smarter. The baby boomers need to get the hell off the stage, and uh, they'd be happy if we just disappeared because they want to run things now. I don't blame them. I think it is time to turn it over, but geez, you know, they need to at least have a little bit of responsibility to take over those reins. They can't just wing it. It's not going to be like, you know, they're not going to get a do-over. I don't see the comments on this end that you're reading, Dottie says. I don't know what that means, Dottie. Oh, you know what it probably was? it was probably before you came into the room because this one doesn't keep... You could see it if you went to that chat grabber and read, you know, tonight's chat. But if you come in the room, it'll be empty above where you came in. I've had it happen before when my show has dumped me and I come back in and all the stuff is gone. I can't read anything. Yep. It starts when you come in. That's why. Um, Jameskin says... Oh, Valium told you that. All right, sorry, I'm behind the eight ball here. Jameskin says he's very intellectual, Stephen M. He uses big words and stuff, but he has great points. Hmm. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to listen again. See see what I think is going on there. I'll tell you it only takes one lie. If he lies once or he's or he twists something that I know is a fact, then that'll be it. I mean, it really doesn't take much because once you get to a point where you know what's going on pretty much and you know how things are being done, uh, the people that are helping to hold up that system, they're they're easy to spot. Very easy. I mean, comment sections of newspapers and their YouTube videos they do and their little mind control music and I, (laughs) that was another thing. See, my brain again. Mind control music. I'm on the phone on hold for the Social Security office, and I hear the most god-awful noise on there. And I suppose they think it's hold music, but music would be stretching it. it is, it's, not only is it not music, but it's like dragging, and it's, it's just horrifying stuff. And you just wonder, how long can I sit here on hold? And is this why they're playing this, so that I'll hang up? Really bad. And it's almost every every place you call that puts you on hold. Instead of playing music like the old days, which was sometimes just music, bad enough, or a radio station or something, now they put this mechanical, it, it's like putting your nails down a chalkboard. It makes you wish that you were not alive for that five minutes or whatever you're on the wait list. It's, I mean, the whole line, horrible. <clears throat> Okay, I am changing my opinion on CalExit, thinking it would be great to treat Californians like illegal aliens if they come here without a visa. That's Bellium. And the idea of denying visas to hunters who want to come here and get drunk and shoot everything that moves, even the locals. Yeah, we have that in Maine as well. People that come and they don't 
they they shouldn't be driving around hunting because they don't know what the heck they're doing, and a lot of times they're drunk. Um, Donaldson says CalExit is a scheme in order to not have common law of England come to the other states. Common law is natural law where juries of local courts try cases. Yep, there's some people in here that are aware of common law and have studied on that too. I think that California wants to have their own separate country so they can be just as progressive as they want, but I don't know where they're going to get the money from. I mean, they really spend every last penny they get. So I don't know where they think they're going to get the money from. And would the United States allow them to just take the bases that are out there? I find that hard to believe, too. I don't know where they got that idea and how they thought it would work. Maybe it was something Nancy Pelosi figured out one night when she was sitting around. She seems to be one of the geniuses of the Democrat Party. <clears throat> Oops, crap. What did I just do? I just made a mistake. I clicked on something I shouldn't have. Okay, there. I think I'm back. This is one of those programs that's not particularly easy to um, deal with, the talk show program. It looks like it was made back in 1989 or something. Okay. The Statue of Liberty is a sign of freedom, not a sign of immigration. That's eight. Yeah, there was a whole um, press conference. Uh, I call it humor. I think what's his name, um, Acosta or whatever his name is, wouldn't find it humorous. But I, he doesn't seem to have an embarrassment gene. He's like, uh, I don't know, sort of one of those people that just can stand up and make a fool out of himself several times in a row and not seem to notice it or care. He's an interesting character. Anyway, apparently he thought that the poem on the Statue of Liberty was the, the law of the land and he was corrected on that. That was pretty funny. I watched that part of that press conference. I'd be the press secretary, except for I'd keep um, wandering off. Maybe it would make them get bored and they'd go home. Some of those people, my gosh, I look at them, I look across that front row and I just kind of go, how come they get to be in the front all the time? John Roberts and that that horrible woman, what's her name, Kristen something, I always I always forget her name because it's an unusual last name. Starts with W. She ha always has the most sour look on her face, like she hates the guts of whoever's standing at the podium. Like doesn't just not like them, but hates their guts right to the center of their core. She hates. I think her name's Kristen something. Kristen W. And then Jonathan Carl, of course. He's always like. He acts like he's right on the cutting edge of all that's holy. And these people, I mean, if you go and look at who they are in the background of where they went to school and who their, you know, family is and stuff and what they do, you can see that there's lots of connections with these people. They are they're they're buttering their bread, as we would say up here. They're helping each other butter their bread. It's all about them. And it's not about the public or the country or anything else. And they want to cry victim because they say 
the president doesn't like the freedom of the press. The public's getting pretty sick of them too, actually. So, yeah. Okay. Eight says, did you throw out yard sale stuff that did not sell? Well, I'll tell you. We put um, some stuff out front for free. In fact, one of the things went to a, it was a little stand that people use for like a tool stand, you know, or a workbench at a site, like you'd take it, it would be portable. And nobody bought it for a dollar even, and it, it was you know, it was good. Somebody would use it. And this guy took it, and he was so excited because he said he'd been using a saw, and he was just putting the saw on top of his toolbox, and he wanted to have that to put it on. It was cool. It's cool. It's going to be used. It's not sitting in the back of the shed somewhere taking up space. So it's gone. So we did give away some stuff, and then some of it we packed back into a couple of bins because um, it's still useful stuff. I mean... We didn't want to just throw it away in the landfill. So we'll go through that again. And if it's not something we think we should keep, we'll just donate it. I'm talking about I'm talking about odd things like um oh, let's see. Um I'm trying to picture what was in there and I can't even remember. See, we don't even miss it. Say like a thing to hang your hot iron on the wall. You know, those little racks that hold your ironing board and your iron. No, we don't. No, stuff like that. I had some exterior lights for my apartment building in case the tenants broke them. I had some that were new in the boxes with the light bulb and everything. Now I'm not going to need that many. <laughs> I don't need things like that stored because I don't even think I have the same kind of lights on my house as was over there. Just It's just stuff like that. I can't really explain it. You know, things that somebody might need for, for a re, you know, casters for a table or something. I don't know if we even had casters, but I had a window shade, a new window shade, one of those adjustable ones. I don't know. Stuff. Just stuff. Um... Yeah, we did. We put we saved a couple of bins of it because some of it can be used also. My boyfriend makes this stuff called steampunk, which is oddball art pieces that are they're useful but they're interesting. You know, like you take some old thing and you put a bunch of weird things together. I I think of it like a, a Rube Goldberg, if you remember what those were. They were cartoons where you'd go through all these different stages on some contraption to feed a dog or something. They were like cartoons. I think it used to be in the newspaper. We had kids at school that used to build Rube Goldberg contraptions. Well, steampunk is similar to that. You might take a faucet and have the, you know, that you turn it on and the light comes on or something instead of water coming out of it. Put a bunch of stuff on a board that's really interesting looking and then put a light bulb and wire it so it's a lamp. If you don't know what steampunk is, go look it up and look at images. There's all kinds of weird things. And they're just, they're creative. They're creative art pieces, and he makes them. So he uses odds and ends of things that other people would say, that's just junk, and why would you keep it? 
I'm not doubting him. I'll tell you, he's selling parts of things online that you would think had no value. Like, for example, we had an old Larkin bookcase. It was a barrister's bookcase, which are the kind that you pull out the glass. I mean, you pull out a door and it has glass in it and it just kind of folds down. There's like a, a, it goes up on top of the stack that it's in because each each box is like stacked in these if you've never seen them. You pull out the door and it falls down over the front of the books. It comes down over the front. Well, we had one that had two of the doors with no glass in them that had been taken off because it was just being used as a regular bookcase. And then the bottom had claw feet. And I was going to use it in the apartment that in my apartment house that I was trying to get ready so that we could use the apartment and sell the house I live in. Well, so he sold the um, the doors separately, and he sold the base separately. The base took longer; it took a few more weeks, but he did sell that too. He boxed them up and mailed them out of the state to somebody that I guess that rebuilds antique furniture, I don't know. And then he sold the hardware that would put it back together. He took it apart and sold the pieces of it and got more money than he would if he just sold it out front in the condition it was in. He has an eye for that stuff, so we're hoping this is going to keep us going for a little while. Let's see. Okay, so we're not going to get the eclipse. Yes, John, please put the coffee on. I'm going to have some coffee. I like it. I'm dropping the sugar out, though. I'm not having sugar anymore. I'm trying to get it get it out of my system. Sugar is bad. It's like the worst thing you can eat. There, you got it. Good. Thank you, Dottie. That's the one. Dottie was on the computer, and her TV turned itself on. Yeah, I've seen that happen before, too. Techno music. Yes, James Ken. I just hate it. I don't call it music. I hate it. It's offensive to me to even hear it. So I think of it as the sounds of hell, actually. Okay. I'm going to click on this, see what it says, because I thought we didn't pay a lot of attention. Bangor unit deploying to Asia. Soldiers from the 120th Regional Support Group prepared for deployment to Southwest Asia at Plymouth Training Site in town. I think somebody said Southwest Asia was like Afghanistan or something. Why didn't they just say that? They didn't really say where they're going. Noknoy Ricker wrote this. See, I know that I know the families of these people because I taught in Bangor too, so I know. This person, I don't know her, but I know that family. Posted August 9th, 35 Bangor based Maine Army National Guard soldiers are deploying to Southwest Asia. Brigadier General Douglas Farnham, Adjutant General for the Maine National Guard and Commissioner of the Maine Department of Defense, Veterans and Emergency Management, announced that members of the 120th Regional Support Group will leave Maine later this summer. The soldiers will manage facilities, provide administrative and logistical support for troop services, and ensure the security of personnel and facilities on a base camp during their year-long deployment, Farnham said. So they're going to be gone for a year. Um, I think our mailman is one of these guys because he, 
he's gone sometimes and then back. We always talk to everybody. And uh, he's got, I think he said he had three more years in the guard. So I bet he's going. He probably won't be that happy about going for a year. But I wonder, well, if it's the end of the summer, we may see him one more time. So I'll ask him when I see him if he's one of the ones going, and then I'll let you know. Okay, in July, it was announced that six members of Bangor Base Detachment 3, 2nd Battalion, 641st Aviation Regiment, I love their names, they're so long, would also be heading to Asia this fall. There are 28 members of the main Air National Guard currently overseas, Farnham said. That must be where I got the 28. How many is, does it say up here? 35, yeah. 35 of one and 28 of another. We live in an age of uncertainty. We are a nation at war, which means the National Guard is more important than ever to the active duty military and our nation's security, the state's top soldier said Wednesday. As a result, we expect both the Army and the Air National Guard to remain engaged in operational deployments for the foreseeable future. To prepare for deployment, the soldiers did battle drills at the Plymouth training site. The unit, formerly known as 240th Engineer Group, last mobilized in 2006 in support of Operation Enduring Freedom to Afghanistan. A hero send-off where both the soldiers and their families will be honored is scheduled for 1 p.m. Friday in the Performing Arts Center at Hamden Academy. Well, you know, I, I do believe that these people are not supposed to be serving as regular regular military. They're supposed to be here to protect us. But, you know, things have been twisted and changed, and they've become other things now. But thinking of them, I just, I don't like the whole idea of people going overseas, doing things that they do over there, coming back and having their family believe they did something else over there. And then having to live with the, uh, you know, that in their mind the whole time that they're lying to their family because they're not usually doing what they say they're doing over there. <clears throat> Probably going to Guam for maneuvers. I don't know. I don't even know what, you know, what we could say about that. We don't know where they're going. I don't even think they can tell. Maybe they can. In the old days, they couldn't say where they were, right? The regular military usually doesn't say where they are if they have something they're doing that's sensitive. Okay, so let's see. I don't think I had anything on links this week. I'm just going to go look in case um, because I didn't do it last time, so it last week, I don't believe. So what's on here? Um, some of my comments I wrote on different things and then either decided not to put them on or took them off again. Um, What the heck? I write. Darn it! I I uh, 
mix stuff together. Oh, the thing about... It was a comment I saw. I think this was a comment I saw in Godlike Productions that I kept because I thought it was so good. Um, they were talking about the the liberal progressives and how they're, because they're still fighting, they're fighting everything. Um, and they wrote this comment, and I thought it was a good one. They're not laughing at Trump. They're not feeling good about the investigations. They don't feel like they're winning. You know what they're doing besides whining, infighting like mad. Their current beef is desperately trying to figure out what the party's identity is and what a real Democrat is. They're trying to figure out how to run to get seats back in the government, and it is is a total dumpster fire. The big argument right now is about pro-life Democrats running in red states. Some think this is an obvious thing to do. Appeal to the voter base you're trying to win over. In other words, Trump's 50-state strategy, but applied by Democrats. This worried me because it's smart, but no worries now. The loudmouth dyke and minority woman contingency are screaming like a raped cat shouting down anyone who will even consider it, causing chaos and hard feelings and a general rift that is tearing the party in two. I look back through their threads to see what else is on their minds, and there's a very obvious reoccurring pattern. Everyone wants to shift away from Hillary's identity politics, anti-white male platform in various different ways, except the majority of the women in the party. They won't admit it's costing them everything. They're claiming every lost seat on all levels has happened because of gerrymandering, not because they have a loser message that won't work in a predominantly white America that doesn't hate its men. From an outsider looking in, their problem is pretty obvious. That problem is that the Democrats want to be the woman's party. They have a big enough majority of women in the party to bully their agenda, but nowhere near enough support of women in the country to pull off she-ra bullshit. And their appeal to women, not in their party, or independent or non-voters, is shrinking weakly. While the core of women in the party holds strong, giving them a false sense of majority in the world outside their echo chamber. Um, I think that means that uh, they're, they're making themselves feel that they're um, safer than they are because they only talk to themselves. I think that's what that meant. This was made pretty clear in the election when white women went for Trump, but they didn't accept the truth of the situation. Republicans rest easy. The Democratic Party is tearing itself apart. They're worse off now than on election day, much worse. To any Democrats reading, you know I'm right. I read comments. I read comments today of you all tiptoeing around what I just said, trying not to make the B-I-T-C-H-E-S's of your party mad, only get only to get talked to like a dog for disagreeing with them. You guys are blank, duh, effed, karma. Um, I thought it was a really good way of putting it. Now that I remember what this person said, they said they spent like I think a whole day reading Democrat forums trying to figure out what the Democrats were thinking and that that's what they came up with after they read all day. Um I saved something about a fake news story. Lawsuit alleges Fox News and Trump supporter created a fake news story. That was on NPR. I didn't I don't think I read it. I wrote down something that I read elsewhere I liked, but this is just a quote. 
but sharks smelled the bleeding heart, and I did not know what a shark looked like. That sounds like what a lot of us were like. We didn't know that we needed to be careful. We didn't know the sharks were going all around us. Um, let's see, what the heck is this? About Loretta Lynch. I don't know where I got this from. Something I copied. Probably because it had some detail in it. It started out, uh, then Attorney General Loretta Lynch directing Mr. Comey to mislead the American people on the nature of the Clinton investigation. The shadow cast over our system of justice concerning Secretary Clinton and her involvement in mishandling classified information. FBI and DOG's DOJ's investigative decisions related to former Secretary Clinton's email investigation including the propriety and consequence of immunity deals given to potential Clinton co-conspirators, Cheryl Mills, Heather Samuelson, John Bentel, and possibly others, the apparent failure of DOJ to impanel a grand jury to investigate allegations of mishandling of classified information by Hillary Clinton and her associates, the Department of State and its employees' involvement in determining which communications of Secretary Clinton's and her associates to turn over for public scrutiny. This just goes on and on. It's like a list. Um, uh, maybe it was just somebody's... Um, oh, it was somebody's, it was somebody's letter that I copied and pasted, probably so I wouldn't have to try to find it again because there's a whole bunch of names on the bottom of it. <clears throat> it ends like this, so it's it's a group of people. It may be one of the committees that was um, getting together to look into some of these other things about the Clinton um, email scandal and all that. You have the ability now to right the ship for the American people so these investigations may proceed independently and impartially. The American public has a right to know the facts, all of them, surrounding the election and its aftermath. We urge you to appoint a second special counsel to ensure these troubling unanswered questions are not relegated to the dustbin of history. And the first name on it is uh, Bob Goodlatte, and then Jim Jordan, Lamar Smith, etc. There's a bunch of people that signed it. That's why I saved it, because it was some official letter, I guess. I need to be more careful when I write stuff like that. Put a put a note in here and then forget to write where I got it and what the heck it is. And now it's been two weeks and I can't remember. That was that, I guess. All right, so Desert Peter, are going to call in tonight, do you think? Yeah, I hope the island does not tilt over. On Howie Carr this afternoon, his producer said maybe they could, uh, since it's floating, they could just attach a motor to it and take it out of the way so that it's out of Korea's um, um, path so they can't find them. Watch the 12-year-old Good grief, John. I know every uh, some of the stuff that I'm seeing on YouTube and on Facebook is pretty sick. Um, 
Yeah, they have to be careful they don't tip Guam over. That's so funny. Somebody said something about that, too. If they put a lot of soldiers over there, will the island tip over? Funny. Okay, we're waiting to see if Desert Pete's going to call. says, yeah, so I think he is. There he is. Clicked on it. Clicked on the right place this time. There. How are you? Yeah, good evening. Good evening. Well, I'm... <laughs> I won't even tell you what the temperature is because I don't know what it is. Every day I look at it, it's over 100. 109. I always say 109 because that's what you usually say. It could wow. be. I, I don't know. Uh, the hottest I've seen this year is 119. I've seen several My God. 100, 113, 114 days. Uh, I think it's down in the 105 area, but I'm... Sorry, I didn't have the energy to go look at the thermometer today. <laughs> I wouldn't either if show. I were you. Yeah. Oh. But, uh, no, it's just enduring the 24-hour grind of the air conditioner running. And, uh, oh, I know. Fun. That's not a very nice sound, is it? No, that that's the annoying, along with the electric bill each month. But uh, that's just life in the desert. Yeah. Um, yeah. I got in... If, I don't know what raised the question. But I was just curious about some of our own history out here. Uh, and the uh, the 20 mule team came up. So uh, oh, yeah. I, I was curious exactly how how long was the trip and how much cargo were they towing on each trip? Because talking to long-haul truckers today, well, they've got... 40,000 pounds of cargo, and the whole rig weighs about 80,000 pounds. And I was just curious, just wow. what was a, what was a team of 20 mules accomplishing way back then? Uh, a little research, I, I see that it was a 10-day a, a journey uh, from Death Valley out to uh, the Mojave Rail Yards, and they initially went down to the Rail Yards in Daggett, which is over near Barstow, I just saw Daggett on here because I was looking at temperatures, and it has a green uh, exclamation point next to it. So I noticed it. 105, it says. <laughs> okay. Temperature's 105 there. It must be the high. Yeah. Well, that was the first rail yard they went to, and then they found, uh, I guess, an easier path that brought them over toward Mojave. And that's the path I've uh, driven across many times so. Uh, wow. my commute in and out of our area. Um, the uh, the 20 mule team only lasted from 1882 to 
I didn't really know what else it does, but uh, that's it's what makes poison. The, well, that's what makes the glazing on your coffee cups. Otherwise, it would just be porous ceramic that would soak up your your coffee stains all the time. And the only way they get the glazing on that uh, borax is the prime chemical. I guess is mixed with something else, but uh, but that's uh, that was its its original intent was the uh, the glassy glazing that you find on uh, on porcelain. What what's your closest city? Ridgecrest. Ridgecrest is that on here? I'm looking for the temperature. No, it's not on here. Ridgecrest is not on here. It's funny uh, that you said Daggett though, and it was on there. It was the only one that I saw the green at first, but now there's other ones. Okay. Well, Ontario Daggett is, is on there. Daggett is right next Palm to Palm Springs. Barstow. No, Palm Springs is really getting south, though. So. No, we're we're. That's further there. south. That's 107. Yeah, that that's Riverside. No, you're not Riverside. You're Riverdale. No, not uh, Riverdale. You still live in Riverside. That, that's where my friend had had the lost important piece of paper in the <laughs> behind uh -huh. the wallpaper. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have 92. It says. Yeah. Well, but they also have thermal. I've never heard of thermal. Uh, I've heard it. I Whatever think it's thermal out, is. I think it's it's out way out in the desert, if I remember rightly. 109 they've got. Yeah, not surprised at that. So, yeah. But, uh, those, are the tall, those are the worst ones. Yeah, so anyway, I, I checked YouTube looking for, uh, trying to get an answer to my question because I was, uh, I guess the main question I had was, okay, how many trailers could 20 mules tow? And, uh, looking at the logo on the on the borax soap, as well as the the opening intro to Death Valley Days, uh, so I clicked on one of those just to see what it was, and that was always two cargo wagons and one uh, water tank. But they had to carry enough food for feeding 20 mules for 10 day journey. Wow. So half of one of those wagons was just food for the for the mules, and the the one or I'm two. I'm getting drives. out my borax right now, so I can look at the logo. Yeah, twenty mule team borax. Yeah, uh, one funny thing was that <laughs> it strikes me as funny. Uh, the drivers were teamsters, so that is a really old union. And part of the job was to be able to care for a, a sick mule or to uh, repair a, a thrown shoe as well as maintenance on the leather lines and ropes and whatever on, on the whole rig. And I guess he, he drove them with a, uh, a specially made 22-foot-long whip. They that, have all this on the picture. Wow. They have what you're describing on the picture. They had the two wagons, and then they had the small wagon in the back, which must have been the water one. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, but they said to, to crack that whip, <laughs> uh, it required two hands, and the operator had to swing his entire body weight into handling it. 
Could you stop and think of the, the whips we played with as kids? They were all like four feet, six feet of the biggest or something. But a 22-foot-long yeah. whip, that, that would take some, some skill to be able to crack that thing. I would think so. But uh, they said a skilled driver could uh, <laughs> could snap one of the mules on 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 his ear uh, about twenty feet away from him <laughs> if the mule was acting up. Get the correct one. Get the correct mule. Get the correct that mule. Fudge. Yeah, that's a, that's a skill. So uh, I get the feeling yeah. proportionally those drivers are paid pretty well to uh, to carry that much responsibility. But uh, yeah. But then uh, the, the YouTube rolled into a couple of episodes of Death Valley Days and Shocks. I hadn't watched that in 40, 50 years, so I, I sat through that and was almost in shock at at the jokes that were perfectly clean and normal back then they couldn't get away with today. Uh, it's probably why they don't show a lot of that stuff. That's what I'm thinking. Well, that's probably why it's not on commercial TV, and you only find it on YouTube. But there was yeah. uh, a, a funny scene where this uh, highly oh, uh, high society lady marries a cowboy and moves to Death Valley, and she's trying to civilize his uh, his humble hut, and he he makes mention that his. Uh, uh, that he knows a cowboy about ten miles down the road that uh, that just got married, and she goes, "Oh, great! She she'd love to talk to another woman. Tell him to bring his wife up here." Well, okay. So when he shows up, his wife is uh, an Indian squaw who doesn't speak English, <laughs> and and she just yeah. comes in, sits down, says absolutely nothing, and this high society lady from back east thinks, well, this is a special occasion. I'm meeting my first neighbor. So she brings out a bottle of wine (laughs) and goes to pour a glass of it. And the Indian squaw looks around and says her only English. Oh, fire water. Grabs the jug and drinks the whole jug. (laughs) You couldn't get away with a joke like that today. No, and I knew you were going to say that because all of those things were full of stereotypes. I mean, I can I haven't watched any in a long time, but I used to love watching them when I was a kid. Yeah. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, yeah, even even that the fancy woman is always from back east somewhere. Well, exactly. You know? So, well, yeah, you, yeah. you you back easterners set the set the stereotype for us. So. <laughs> oh, really? What what can I say? That's it. Well, look, I mean, we had uh, family members that were, they would get dressed for dinner and things like that. I mean, I know that wasn't happening everywhere in the United States. People would get dressed up for dinner. They didn't come to the table in their clothes they wore all day. They changed. Now, I don't remember that in my family, but I knew people who did it. And it was like, you you didn't just come to the table on Sunday dinner just wearing your jeans or whatever that you were outside mowing the lawn in. You went and changed your clothes. You cleaned up before you went to dinner. And it's like, who does that? I bet that doesn't happen everywhere, or it never did, I mean. <clears throat> that was a, it was like formality in some areas that I consider it to be British. That's British influence. 
Yeah, but in in another episode, I I, I saw something I had completely forgotten that uh, Ronald Reagan was not just the host; he was occasionally a lead character in the program. And so he goed from showing up wearing his suit and whatever, and in the the intro, and then you suddenly see him as a cowboy as <laughs> character in, in the episode. That that was odd. I hadn't. I had completely forgotten that. And uh, I'm old enough to remember the, the old ranger, the, the guy before Ronald Reagan. Uh, and then Reagan replaced him, and then somebody replaced Reagan, and then the show got canceled. So Interesting thing on that. Or at least interesting to me, because it, uh, as I looked at the terrain, I realized, yeah, they, they really shot that in Death Valley. That's, that's actual terrain there even though one of the episodes that dealt with a lot of a lot of wild west town kind of backgrounds uh the credits at the end said that that was shot in Arizona and I go yep that's cuz we just don't have that many ghost towns out here <laughs> uh, <laughs> they just can't Did you survive. recognize the places in the did you recognize the places in the in the show or movie Oh some of it yeah especially when they had to uh, imply uh, uh, a huge amount of, of chemicals. Now, it was shot in black and white, but uh, I've driven right through there, and yeah, the, suddenly this typical light brown terrain of, of desert sand, it's stacks of yellow or something, like, like sulfur or whatever chemical that is. And it's just heaps of hills of it you're driving past, and that's where they had wagon trains driving by on, uh, in, in that one episode. And they're, they're, a heap of a certain type of chemical just has a completely different look to it than the mountains and hills that are just rocks and dirt. Uh, and uh, that, that was even obvious in, in black and white. But uh, I watched two episodes on how Death Valley got its name, and uh, the other was uh, uh, obviously promoted by by their sponsor was the history of borax, and it was a guy by the name of Winters, who was a gold prospector working primarily in Nevada, and then he branched over the state line into California and was looking for gold in Death Valley. And he kept having to hike through these massive fields of this ornery white stuff. And he could never find any gold in it. And uh, and lo and behold, he he learns from his, his neighbor down the road of what he had just learned on a trip over to San Francisco. He says, they're, they're looking for this, this crazy white mineral called, called borax. And, well, how do you find it? And... Well, you had a small sample of it. He goes, boy, that looks familiar. Well, yeah. <laughs> I know where there's a whole lake bed full of it. <laughs> so he hikes it out there, brings the sample back, and and the title of the episode was It, it Burns Green. And that was the punchline, was <laughs> that uh, you mix it with a certain sulfuric acid and alcohol, I think it was, that uh, borax then, then burns green. And of course, the show is in black and white, so you really don't see a green flame; you just see a flame. <laughs> but 
but uh, but uh, no, that that was that was where he 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 married this high society woman from back east and and brings her out to the ranch and she's about to give up and and uh, go back and marry her, divorce him and marry her other boyfriend when uh, when uh, when they suddenly discover borax. And that was a true story. And going back to the desert history, yeah, uh, this was 1882. Obviously, when a dollar was a dollar, and yeah. they paid him uh, twenty thousand dollars for that claim. And uh, he took his money and bought a huge ranch over in uh, Pahrump, Nevada. But then. Uh, about 20 years later, he lost it for taxes, property taxes. Oh. So the guy who really oh. struck it rich on borax got burned by property taxes. So, uh, they have to have the last dime. They don't want us to have anything. Well, that's it. So you, you just wonder how yep. how the companies ever get rich other than having the, the right inside contacts here. Yeah, they, oh, they the, have uh, all the advantages. Yeah. Uh, yeah, your main ties to the Bush family. Uh, has it intrigued you uh, as much as the rest of us of why the Bush family bought, I think it was 300,000 acres of land down in Paraguay? I remember when it was going on. I remember um, Jenna Bush going down there and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. I, I thought that the reason they did it was because of the reservoir that was there. It was a huge water reservoir. It does have an aquifer under it. But the rent show yeah. uh night before last or last night, I forget which episode it was, they suddenly found the Bush family linked to Paraguay. Uh, Adolf Hitler did not die in Germany. He escaped down to Argentina and lived in Argentina for many years. And his friend who works in the group Shark Hunters, which is a kind of a, a Nazi history group that does not advocate Nazi reasoning. It's just that they're, they're curious about German history. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a member of it. Uh, the guy in Shark Hunters said that when, while he was investigating exactly where Hitler was living in Argentina, he learned of some related business Hitler had over in Paraguay, just a couple hundred miles away. And so his last trip to South America, he went into Paraguay and went around asking a lot of questions and a lot of high-level Nazi officers settled down in Paraguay. Uh, and story has it, Joseph Mengele was one of them. And uh, the story he discovered was that five Mossad agents showed up in town looking for Mengele. And somehow or another, all five uh, Mossad agents were found with a throat slit out in some gully somewhere. Hmm. 
so the Nazis really settled down hot and heavy in this one community in Paraguay, which happens to be the same area that the Bush family just bought the huge plot of land. We go back to Prescott Bush and his ties to financing the enemy. Not just an accusation, but he was convicted of that. We now see the Bush ties to the Nazis is proven. And where are they pli- where did they buy for their, their family retirement? Paraguay. So uh yeah, they bought that I believe they bought that in the early two thousands. Yeah. Um yeah. well, going back to uh two thousand one, I remember commenting to my brother the very day that George Bush introduced Department of Homeland Security. I said that's an old German Nazi term. What is George Bush doing introducing a Nazi term into our government? First time I heard the word homeland, that's what I thought of. That's it. And when I saw the new money that they came out with, that's what I thought of. I thought of Nazis. Yep. Because of the design of the money and everything. I didn't like it. So the uh, the research, good old uh, Dr. Joseph Farrell of the... Uh, uh, Borman and uh, creating corporations all around the planet and hiding all of the Nazi wealth uh, to uh, uh, to move things to. Now, now somebody else said, and I, I don't remember the exact details on it. They said we re- really never got an exact surrender from Germany at the end of the war. Just the fighting stopped. And agreements were made, and well, at least we know about Operation Paperclip, which brought in a lot of the Nazi uh, scientists and engineers into NASA. And then, as we've commented before, uh, Truman uh, didn't want to be blindsided with uh, another war, and felt that oh, we need uh, uh, we need an international spy network, and that was another agreement made with the Nazis, was that, oh, we already have an international network, so why we'll just have, have all of our spies suddenly start working for the CIA. So uh, this is being pointed out by, uh, by this Robert David Steele, that uh, uh, half the Nazis went into NASA, the other half of them went into the CIA. And then the ones that America didn't want moved down to South America, initially, well, Argentina. And then I have missionary cousins from Brazil that confirmed that a lot of Nazis ended up in Brazil, too. So the the, the ones America didn't want ended up in South America. Brazil, Argentina, and we now realize Paraguay. Paraguay was inland enough that they kind of disappeared in the South American jungles. That's why we just yeah, never... who's going down there and wander by? They're not gonna, they're not gonna know unless they are there. They wouldn't. I still say some of these people that disappeared from public life are somewhere, living somewhere, like Ken Lay. Yeah. I always say that you know, like they should go and live with Ken Lay wherever he is. Mm. <clears throat> 
Yeah, because why would you have to be brought to justice or anything happen to you? You shouldn't have to go to jail or anything. Just go live somewhere where no one knows where you are. Yeah. So, uh, well, it's another generation and nothing I had anything to do with. But uh, that's those are the, the details that are finally coming out 70, 80 years later that managed to get sweep up, swept under the carpet thanks to our controlled media. The point I've, I've said many times is we, we, we know the media is controlled now with six corporations. It, it was just not that obvious way back in World War II era in that everybody just Because there were trust- so many of them. They trusted the, the there, media. There were a lot then, yeah. Like when you get less, you can see it easier. Yeah, it's just that out here in California, William Randolph Hearst was controlling the the newspapers, and he was a 32nd or 33rd degree Mason. So he was just connected to all the secret handshakes and in got in government and such. I didn't, man. Learned that all the aerospace companies had. Uh, had Freemason executives, all of them, whether it was Northrop, uh, Rockwell, and Lockheed, uh, Douglas, you, you name it, they all had Freemason executives. So government was just run by secret handshakes. Forget democracy, forget performance, or or lowest bid. Oh, everything was was inside contacts and handshakes. It's just how the government's been run for well over a hundred years. And business in towns and communities. Yeah. They they also have a lot of control locally because they yeah. invite people in that they need and yeah. So uh, I was anyway, to that... find some of my grandfathers were very active in that in lodge activities and things like that. My grandfathers. My yeah, my grandfathers, my great grandfathers. Great grandfathers. On my father's side. So your your comment earlier yeah, and they were business people. Sorry. Uh yeah, well it, again it's just that's their click and they don't want to talk to the rest of us and what can we do about it? Maybe it's the heat or 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 an upcoming eclipse. I don't I don't know what to blame it on, but I'm I'm just losing a lot of enthusiasm to do anything anymore. Um, well, yeah, you would in that heat. It's not yeah, good for why, your health either. Why uh, why battle anything anymore? You know, my business. I'm just battling the issue that I'm just not going to get out of this rut and get move on to the next phase unless I sign on the dotted line to get a business loan and. I've had so many loans just turn into disasters on me from losing my house back in the 80s to shucks the last car I bought four months after I I signed on the dotted line for three years of payments, the transmission goes out. So the thing gave me four months of service, and then it's been sitting in the driveway the last three or four years. I know, it's discouraging. Yeah, that's... (laughs) 
That's what signing on the dotted line is. Oh, you're stuck. You have to come through or we'll destroy you. Yeah. We'll, we'll knock your credit down to zilch. Forget any six or yeah. 700 point rating. Your your credit is, isn't worth two points after you go defaulting on a loan. So, uh, uh, yep. so yeah. I'm, you I'm, do get sick of it after a while and it's like, you know, what's the point? Because they're not they're not operating in good faith. They're not doing what you think they're going to do. No, That's they're the not. thing I don't like about bankers. It's like, don't lie to me. Yeah. I'm not lying, so I don't expect you to lie. You know what I mean? And they're like working an angle, and they don't really have any risk whatsoever. So the, the, they just the, they don't care. The the law is just so one sided for them. Uh, oh, I saw a crazy headline today. I was kind of chuckling to myself because I I know a millionaire who invested heavily in it. That's uh, um, my mind just went blank. Uh, this uh, get paid to be a private taxi cab uh, company. Oh, Uber. Uber. I was about to say Uda. No, yeah. I'm talking to on Uda. No, Uber. No, Uber. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Uber. Uh, started handing out car leases so that all their drivers would be driving new cars, except that they're not paying their drivers enough to make the payments. And they're realizing that they have created a low-paid class of people that can't even afford the debt they just incurred to get their job. And boy, that almost sounds like every other job. Here in California, especially... Sickening, and I'm hoping that some of the Trump economy is going to correct some of this stuff. Because you've got to have people to work if you have things going on. You can't just like have some of these people that sit around all day. They're yeah. not going to do it. So they're going to have to have some people come back to work. I, I, I would work. I wouldn't mind working. If I had something I could, you know, contribute to, I wouldn't mind. Back when I was I'm not a... wanting to sit home. When I was a young, productive whippersnapper in my 30s and working three jobs, and I'd look at my checkbook and realize, yeah, I'm I'm making lots of money here. But then you do the the sidebar spreadsheet of your personal balance, personal budget, and you realize, well, what's it really costing me to be able to show up to work on time every day? Every day? Well, I really got to yeah. maintain this late model car. I can't go driving a clunker. And when you look at those expenses and then you subtract the the necessary costs just to be able to show up at work and do your job properly, I'm realizing I'm not really making that much money. It's all getting sucked away in commuting costs and and you gotta live somewhat reasonably close to where you work so you're not spending half your life on the freeway, but here in California we kind of do that anyway, whether we like it or not. Uh, And, uh, oh, boy, does this prove the point? Uh, One of my engineering friends who uh, was between jobs, he he got some good news. He just landed job, a a contract job with a big aerospace company. And the pay they offered him was actually quite good, even by Los Angeles standards. So that was the good news. And he tells me the bad news. The location he has to show up for work is one of the beach cities. 
when he started to look at that area, uh, being a contract job, it was no sense even looking for a long-term apartment with first, last, and security and all that expense. It, it, the only obvious thing was, well, just get a, the cheapest motel you can find. The cheapest motel in that town is a Motel 6 for 150 a night. Uh, so you think, well, okay, find a cheaper town a few miles away and drive in. Okay, this particular beach community is backed up against a mountain. There are no nearby cheap towns. You have to drive through 30 miles of the mountain to find the next town, and even that happens to be a vacation community where the motels are just as expensive. The closest place he can get the price under 100 a night is 50 miles away. He just painted himself into a corner. Yeah, so now he's obligated to show up every morning and... and be a nice, brilliant engineer, and the guy's got the skills to do it, but he's got a serious housing problem. This neighborhood is, yep. well, I don't want to say exactly where it is, but the clue is uh, uh, Oprah's mansion is only about 10 miles away. Oprah's yep. $40 million mansion. So uh, every hotel in that area is, like I say, a Motel 6 is 150 a night. So that's California, um, but that's where the jobs are at. That's where the alleged good-paying jobs are at. Yep, I don't know what I mean. I don't know what people think they're going to do for work in the future. Even they say about you know re-educating people for uh, technology jobs and stuff, but there really aren't that many. I mean. <laughs> Everybody is kind of just using what's available for technology. You know, the, not everybody has the capability to come up with inventions in the technological field as far as, like, you know, improving, like, say, medical systems or control systems or navigational systems and everything. How many people do they think they're going to employ doing those things? I don't know. I mean... I think I still see it that it's just going to be a service industry. It's going to be people who have to serve other people because there isn't enough, you know, there aren't enough people around to care for all the people that are going to be needing it. Uh, be like personal care and nursing and things like that. Well, once again, we're weaving into a just I don't know area that. Uh, I don't know what I know. We, well, the things that have happened even, if just during the course of our lifetime and what they thought we would be doing, I mean, they really thought we'd have video phones and all these things. Yeah, there's a capability to do that, but a lot of people don't want to be seen when they're on the phone still. That was one of the things that never really took off that we saw back in the Jetson days. <laughs> you know, a lot of the things they could do, we're not doing. I mean, we could have had cars that didn't touch the road a long time ago. We didn't need tires and all that. We don't need to have our wiring above the grounds so that we've got poles everywhere and wire all across the landscape. We don't need any of that. It's it's 
almost like we got stuck in a like a time warp or something and certain things developed and other things just stagnated. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I really don't. Well, out in this area, the the telephone wires simply are parking space for all the ravens. Because <laughs> if they didn't <laughs> yeah. have telephone wires to to hang on, they'd have to be down on the ground, and then they'd have to battle the, the rattlesnakes. Well, oh, I see. <laughs> so the, the the ravens appreciate the the telephone wires out here as I'm looking out my my window, but uh, <laughs> so they serve that purpose, but. Uh, uh, let's see. You mentioned earlier you're you're finally getting on Social Security because I uh, I went through that. I guess job. I hope so. Yeah, I went through that a couple of years ago myself, and you're right. There's a lot of a lot of sitting on hold on the phone uh, to to get that pulled off, and the and bummer, then get a letter in the mail today saying I can do it online, which I thought I couldn't do it online because I'm hoping to collect off of my late husband's benefit because I I mean I was a school person and the woman on the phone told me that I had to give the date and the amount of money that I got from my um, taking my main state retirement out I told her I said well I had a penalty I don't know if I even made anything on it because I had a penalty and it wasn't that much it wasn't that much in the first place so well, haven't you been getting a, a statement from Social Security all these years? Your, your benefits. Oh yeah, I get a statement, but it's I didn't have I didn't have Social Security taken out when I was working in schools. Ooh. They Maine State Retirement people don't get that in Maine. I don't know if it's like that in other states or if it's just weirdo Maine, but. Yeah, it's something that people talked about here, actually, that people that worked in schools would get, you know, and they would get uh, a disadvantage, shall we say, when they retired because they, you know, wouldn't be able to collect Social Security. I have worked in jobs where it was taken out because I worked, you know, for a contractor and I worked when I was younger, but I think you have to have so many quarters or something from what I understand. I don't really understand the formula. I like I had said when I was discussing with my friends and stuff about it I said I didn't pay any attention to anything about social security for all these years I never listened it went in one ear and out the other cuz it didn't apply to me and now that it applies to me I don't know anything that the common general you know person would know cuz it didn't apply to me I never had any experience with anything to do with social security ever so I don't know all the ins and outs. I don't know how things have changed or anything. I didn't even know what I needed to provide for information. But apparently the only thing they're asking for is that. So we'll see. After I go through it, I'll know, and hopefully I only have to do it once. So that's the thing with these yeah. these types of things. You You know, it's... What's the point of spending a lot of time learning about it if you're only going to do it once anyway? Well, you won't I, need to I know after that. Just hope you can tap into your, your late husband's uh, account. Well, everybody told me that. I mean, I didn't even really consider that. I didn't think that was available. And somebody said, well, of course it is. He didn't collect on it. You were married all those years. He was working. Of course you can collect on that. And I was like, well, I never say of course about anything because 
I have had the rug pulled out so many times. I don't. Yeah. When I see it, I'll be happy, but I don't know what new fresh hell I always say they can come up with for me. But you know, what did you have to do when you signed up? Did you just sign up? Somebody told me it took them five minutes to do it, and I thought, well, that's a that's got to be a miracle in something that's a bureaucratic. Well, I, I researched procedure. a little on online and then got a an 800 number to call. And the frustration I remember mm. about that was being on hold for like 45 minutes. And oh once God. I was on hold for about 35, 40 minutes, and the phone disconnected. Had to call yeah. and wait again. Uh, so oh, yeah. I had a an appointment set up for a certain time, and they told me they would call me at that time. So I wouldn't have to wait on the phone like that, but... They used to, people here said that they'd just gone in before and went right in and it didn't take any time at all. And when I asked her about appointments there, she said, well, we do in-person appointments. We don't have people walk in anymore because we don't have enough staff. And I think that might be just because they don't want people coming in off the street into the federal building. That's what I think. But anyway, um, and she said, um, but those are at the end of September. And I said, really, that long? And she said, yeah. She said, we have a lot of, we, we've we been really busy. <laughs> so, you know, maybe, it, I don't know if it's because of all these people that don't belong here. I don't know. But we also have an aging state. They always talk about how old the Mainers are. And it's probably true. We probably have a lot of baby boomers that are hitting retirement age all the <laughs> I time I think that now. applies to all, all the states, so. Well, our population's like almost we don't have very many young people. I think we have we might even have the oldest population <laughs> up here because we've had so many people leave. Our younger people have left. I, it's it's a very high percentage. Well, I often wonder what's going to happen because when we're all gone, who's going to do the work because a lot of us are still working. We're not we don't stop up here. We just keep going until we drop. Is anybody? So I don't know I, who's going to do the work. Not only doing the work, but is anybody going to maintain the English language? Is the next oh. thing I'm worried about. Uh, well, where you live, I can see why you would. Up here, I don't honestly think it's going to be a huge problem, even though people are coming here and they're probably being brought into Maine and everything. The thing that's going to drive them out is the weather. Most people that live in other areas of North America do not appreciate our long winters, and they won't stay here by choice. That's my opinion on that. It's not their ideal place to live. So I don't think they'll be staying even if they're here now, honestly. They'll go back where it's warm somewhere. Yeah, I made a crack on the... There's a lot of work to living here. <laughs> you got to dig out and stuff. You can't just, you know... Wander around. You have to dig. You have to do work, whether you want to or not. So. Yeah, just stuff that uh-huh. we were taught as kids. Uh, I, I made a sarcastic yeah. remark on the chat board a little earlier about cryptocurrencies. Uh, I think I joked in an earlier one that I, I was fascinated by a, one with a real funny name called Unobtainium. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, I think I mentioned earlier I bought some contract time at a uh, at a cryptocurrency mine for for Bitcoin, 
and the difficulty level on Bitcoin is getting pretty bad. So you're taking a lot of processing power to make just a really tiny fraction of a Bitcoin. So for the fun of it, I, I told him to readjust my uh, processing power for uh, about a week to make some unobtainium. Totally a different coin, but uh, but each one of these crypto coins requires its own special wallet. And I think I had mentioned one of my wallets was already reading out on my first deposit the wrong amount. It was reading out a hundred times what I knew was really in it. I have, still have no idea how to fix that. Uh, so I started a, a, an online wallet. I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is going to be run by a, a real company, and they know how to maintain their software. So I, I open up an account on that, and I tell the mining company, okay, make your deposits to that account now. Two days after I start the account, the website goes down. Their website disappeared for the next 10 days. So I'm search engine looking for information of why did this website disappear? Who was running it? I I had a deposit that I think went in there and then then I checked with the mining company and realized they sent the deposit, but it's been floating around in cyberspace now for over a week. Uh the the wallet company broke down. How often have you had a wallet breakdown? <laughs> Well, it can happen in, in cryptocurrency. Uh, so getting real frustrated on that, I'm jumping around looking for this chat board or that that knows anything about unobtainium and seeing if anybody else is having the problem. And some of the chat boards I land on, I couldn't believe the language I was seeing. These crypto nerds are so far off in fantasy land, they can't carry on straight English. Hmm. They're they're talking about, oh man, they're up to date on the latest video game and challenges there. But does your wallet work? They can't answer yes or no. Uh, this, I told you that incident in a Walmart parking lot where where a Mexican just turned around and walked away from me because he couldn't speak any English at all. Well, now I'm on a chat board and allegedly high IQ computer people, and they can't even talk English. What is going wrong in this country? Rhetorical question we we have to ask everybody. Yeah. Hopefully it's getting straightened out. Yeah. One chat board, I get I on. I see signs I, of it, so I hope it's true. Yeah. One chat board I get on, post my question, and the only remark I get back was, you're on the wrong chat board. You can't ask that question here. Well, excuse me, the, yeah. the the former owner of that domain told me this was the service site to go to with any questions about servicing. Obviously, that was a lie. So you can't even trust some of these online wallets. Um, I've, I've had no problems like that with Bitcoin. Fortunately, I got led to a good, reliable wallet to start with on that one, so that that's not a problem. But uh, but these smaller, lesser-known cryptocurrencies. Oh shucks! Two weeks ago, yeah. I, I looked it up. There were about a thousand and fifteen cryptocurrencies. 
and then I checked again just about a week and a half later, and it's 1,039, I think it is. So it's like a new cryptocurrency is coming out every day. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sure most of them are just going to vaporize. But uh, a few of them have jumped from a few pennies in value to, well, like this unobtainium is supposedly trading close to $60 a coin now. Um, so uh, that's that's like having a stack of $50 bills or whatever. Uh, but I couldn't find anybody to talk to to say, okay, you're trading unobtainium? Where's the wallet that you're keeping it in? <laughs> Where can I find one for myself? So, uh, anyway, different different world. I'm I'm trying to learn here. So that's pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, the last thing I wanted to mention tonight, and then I'll just doze off here in the heat. Um, Rumor Mill posted a, they they posted the the title as a uh, a friendly conversation about blood pressure. Uh, I guess the the doctor and the in the video is by the name of uh, Dr. Berglund. Uh, he raised some good points, but he also, here we go with people that know too much. I would call it a, it's some irresponsible remarks because he was criticizing the phrase of blood pressure being the silent killer. He goes, no it's, no, it's not. Blood pressure is reactive, and everybody needs pressure to move your blood around in your system. You've got to deliver the oxygen. You've got to deliver the nutrients. You've got to remove uh, remove the toxins, and that's what blood does, and it takes pressure to move it. Fine, I'll go along with that. But excuse me, my mother died of a stroke, and I had a good friend die just a couple of months of a, of another hemorrhagic stroke. And uh, blood pressure is a serious issue. And all the medical stuff that I've read only tells you to look for blood pressure as an indicator. And well, but in this 90-minute conversation that he has in the video, he... uh, he goes into uh, strokes are being caused by contaminants of some sort that temporarily blocks oxygen to the brain. It's what causes a stroke. So, okay. According to him, you don't worry about your blood pressure. It doesn't matter what number it is. According to him, according to this guy, he says you're more. You should be more concerned about what contaminants do you have in your blood, and it's those contaminants that are causing the problem of possible blockage or who knows whatever else. So anyway, now that I'm finally getting my numbers under control, up comes this opinion just to confuse me further. But but I still have to go back to the, the best success I've gotten after wasting time on home remedies and whatever that didn't, didn't solve anything is this, uh, this protovite is the only thing I've ever used that really seems to work. And when I mentioned it to my doctor, he goes, well, what's the ingredients? And I said, well, I don't remember exactly, so I had to look it up, and I printed out a 13-page report on all the ingredients and what, what each is supposed to be doing. 
and given that the complexity of that report, Protovite is a complex supplement that is apparently tackling several issues and cleaning up the blood in the process. So, uh, so maybe Protovite is is answering what both doctors want to see. Of uh, my conventional doctor wanting to simply see low numbers, and then this Dr. Berglund on the video wanting to see your blood cleaned up of contaminants uh, and fed proper nutrition yeah. and such. So, so maybe Protovite gets the best of both worlds, I hope, and I might actually be able to get off of my medication pretty soon. Boy, wouldn't that be nice. Cause the, this last it would day, be because they, you can't tell what's, what's going to be turning out to be bad. They They give stuff to people and then a few months later they're telling you it's bad for you. Yeah, but, uh, oh, just the timing of expirations and when I had to get more of each medication and, and vitamins. Uh, on, on this month's Social Security, I just happened to not need any vitamins. My vitamins hadn't run out, and nor had my medications. And so there, those were vitamins and medication. When I removed those from my grocery budget, Wow, I actually had money for food this month. <laughs> it's good to eat, isn't it? Boy, wasn't that nice. So, uh, yeah, we were talking about food earlier here, so I'm I'm enjoying some Danish delicacies tonight with, with pickled herring and pickled beets. So oh, wow. <laughs> probably doesn't sound appealing to anybody. I went to the store today, and I, I looked at the meat counter, and I was like, I don't even want to eat this stuff. I don't even want it. Like, I'm tired of it. I don't want beef. I don't want chicken. I don't want pork. I don't want any meat right now. It was like, what am I going to make for supper? I didn't even care. So well, I made junk tonight. I made hot dogs, which we know that that's probably not the best thing and healthiest thing in the world. But I felt like having hot dogs, so that's what we had. Yeah, I just, well, I'm tired of eating the same food over and over again. In, in hot, hot weather, uh, pickled herring tastes pretty good. Because uh, you eat it I don't think I've ever had pickled herring, yeah. but you eat it cold. It's, <gasps> eat it right out of the refrigerator, so it's it's a. It's oh, a it's probably good. I'd probably like it, but it yeah. sounds like it's not good. You know, it's one of those things like oh, but I'd probably like it. Yeah. Then I. Yeah. I quite accidentally tried them with uh, with pickled beets, and I found out wow, they go to go well together. So. Uh, is the, is that a Danish food you're saying? That's something Danish uh, the pickled, people would the eat. Pickled herring is uh, a Scandinavian dish. Uh, Swedes like it too. Most Swedish uh, buffets. Oh, uh, uh, huh. what? That was a joke somewhere. Is uh, uh, like you have to pronounce it with a Swedish accent, which I cannot do. But it's uh, oh, you you just invited me to a. a, a, a uh, I can't pronounce it. I can't even remember the joke. But it had something to do with, but you took away the pickled herring, so it's no longer a buffet. <laughs> was the, uh, the kind of the punchline? Uh, but yeah, the, I I remember going to uh, in my days in Los Angeles, we had a couple of uh, Swedish buffets out here, and uh, yeah, that was the mainstay at, at both of them. I'll have to uh, ask around and see if they eat that in our Swedish communities up north i grew up next to one um and they are swedes they 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 
try to continue their traditions and everything up there. Uh-huh. New Sweden. It's called New Sweden. And they eat, they try to do the traditional things, and they have a festival every spring. Uh, I think it's in June. They have a festival where they try to make sure they keep their culture going. Now all the old people have died off, and there are, some of those families never had children, so the community itself is getting smaller all the time. Oh, German Lance, eat it too? Glancing at the, uh, the chat, Somebody in the chat ate, herring and sour cream. Yes, eight. that's exactly how, what I prefer. There, there is I've the heard non, of that too. The non-sour hmm. cream uh, version is okay. I just prefer the sour cream version. We have to see if it's around. We have a lot of uh, foods that are for different ethnic groups around here because people like to eat different things. But I never look at them because I'm like I like just plain old flavors. I don't like to mix a lot of things together. Like I'll watch the cooking shows and I'm like, my gosh, they have like six ingredients in this thing. It looks pretty on the plate and I'd probably eat it, but I can't see. It's too much work for one thing, just to have dinner. It's too fancy. Uh, if I'm eating fish, like, say, a nice big filet of some kind, I want it plain. I don't want all kinds of junk on it. I want it just plain. I want to taste the fish flavor of it, which you wouldn't if you put tons of cheese or, you know, six vegetables and some herb that nobody ever eats but sounds good on television. <laughs> I laugh. But, I mean, I like I just like plain food. But I'm getting sick of it now. I don't know what I'm going to eat. I'll probably be one of those old ladies that makes a bagel or something, and that's my dinner. I was uh, used to Scandinavian-style seafood uh, when I lived back east, but out here I uh, encountered uh, a new one to me, and that was uh, Mexican-style seafood. And that's great. Uh, it's, it's just a different perspective. And... Uh, a favorite Mexican restaurant to go to for uh, let's see uh, been there let's see years. we have I'm, I'm forgetting the names of the dishes but uh, lobster veracruz yeah. is one of them and uh, swordfish see, there's no way that that would fly in Maine <laughs> a lobstering state. Gosh, well, people can, some people can't even stand the idea that you do anything other than just boiled lobster. Well, that that's true. Uh, I, I apologize for even mentioning that to a mainer, but uh, <laughs> but it was it was, yeah. it was new to me, and and it uh, it tasted great out here. Uh, yeah, well, it's is, probably good. I mean, I just. With some things, there's just a subtle flavor to it, and if you put anything with it, you're not going to taste it anymore. Well, agreed. It's not going to taste like fish. It's going to taste like whatever you put on it. Yeah. No, I don't even really, most of the time, I don't even put any butter, I mean, um, lemon or anything. Once in a great while, I'll put some lemon, but I usually just eat it plain, and then I either chew on the lemon or throw it in my water. I like to chew on lemons when people see me do it because it, it makes them look horrified. 
I love lemon. So I will usually chew on them. <laughs> uh. Yeah, bottom feeders, James. Can we hear that too, that they're eating the they're the scavengers on the bottom and they get all kinds of stuff that probably shouldn't be consumed by humans. Uh yeah, I've thought about that and remember that well, way back before the British Petroleum oil disaster in the Gulf that uh that the the best known delicacy from uh the Gulf of Mexico was Gulf shrimp, which were huge. Huge and delicious, and you just stop and think, what is the Gulf of Mexico? That's what the Mississippi River dumps out into. Uh, and it's where they had that big disaster too. That well, exactly. So you just don't eat any pollution. Uh, I don't know. We'll end up eating the driveway weeds. We were joking about that over the weekend too. We were talking <laughs> to some old guy, and he was saying about you know the different foods and gardening and all that. And I said, nowadays we're supposed to eat the driveway weeds. And he laughed. He thought that was the funniest thing he'd heard all week. That kale stuff, that's what it looks like to me is a driveway weed. I think I have some growing out here. I could go out and cut some off and steam it. And we could make some, putting it, put it in the blender or the food processor, which I don't have, and make it into juice and drink it. The little girl that lives next door to us had her friends out about two weeks ago, and she was walking around in the yard with them, and she was showing them which kinds of weeds they could eat out of the yard. I was like, oh, my gosh, this kid. But they're still alive. They're all still alive. And uh, I was reminded that they were not my children, and I did not have to supervise what they were eating outside. I was like, oh, my gosh. We probably did it, too. We ate clover. I know that. We used to eat clover, and there were some other grasses that we thought tasted good, but <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Well, is that meme going, uh, mime or whatever they call it, going around Facebook says that uh, our, we're the generation that drank out of garden hoses and rode in cars with no seat belts, and, and yet we're still here. Sat up on the back of the pickup truck, too, and dangled our feet. Mm-hmm. It's like, you kids, hold on. Yeah, we will. Yeah, you're missing Junior. Well, where'd he fall off? I don't know. I think it was a while ago. Well, we better go back and get him. Yeah, We had childhoods. We actually had real childhoods where we wandered and got in trouble and had to get home in time to eat dinner and the whole thing. Took care of each other. We weren't allowed to go wander too much alone, but... We better know where everybody was, because that's how that's how they kept track of all of us. We were supposed to know where everybody else was in the whole neighborhood, in case somebody's mother asked. We're still missing our priest up here, by the way. There's an old priest from up around Caribou um, who's been missing since I think mid-July. So I think mid-July, or was it earlier? I'm trying to think. He's an older guy, and they think he might have dementia. I think he's probably not likely alive anymore, but his car and him are both missing all this time. They've had search and rescue. They've had all kinds of things going on. And they haven't found him. It's like he disappeared. 
there. Uh, yeah, that was that link to Malanu, however you pronounce that name, uh, that I put up there. Uh, yeah. He was talking about IQ and uh, and Google's employment practices and pointing out that this uh, this manifesto or memo, whatever that the engineer passed around, he said it was actually pretty well written. The engineer actually knew what he was doing and he knew how to express a point and present an argument. But then what he really rips into is the human resource director's response was so poorly written it was of high school mentality. And he just rips into her and that she has no way of confronting from a philosophical viewpoint of how to present an argument and, and the basis of of your point. She just writes it off as, "Oh, that was racist," with no no further explanation or, or sexist or whatever term she used. But the point is, she she it, it, like the old parents saying, "It's because I said so," kind of stuff we we yeah. had to put up with it when we were three or four years old, and that's simply because if our parents tried to give us a, a complete dissertation, we wouldn't understand the words they were saying. Uh, so at, at that age, that's why you kind of accept I said so as as the reason. But uh, but good grief, these are employee, employees at Google. You'd think they could talk talk like adults, but they don't. And, uh, I think I mentioned on on the search thing. We've we've heard numerous people from Alex Jones on down commenting that oh their ad revenue has been dropping because YouTube is not distributing ads to their site and such, that's the small end. The the bigger thing they ought to be paying attention to is Google is editing a lot of stuff out of their searches. And my own website, my own little energy page there that occasionally makes some political comments, uh, I took the time to look at my server stats and I had one little bit of good news. Uh, a friend with another website had made a nice comment about mine, and I saw that several of his readers were, were jumping over to take a peek at mine. I had to send him an email and thanked him. But while I'm looking at my uh, server stats, one of the pages is a list of all the various search engine robots that come by and sniff your page just to know if you're alive or if you updated anything. And the usual list of the Bings and Yahoos and whatever on there, but during the entire month of July, I got not one robot visit from Google. None. Uh-huh. Google yep. has censored my page off existence. I had a search mm-hmm. term was the key one to find my energy page. It was called uh, Best Energy Sources. And I put that phrase at the top of my page as the first text that you read. And all the search engines picked up on that. Uh, and that's how I usually got new readers, was anybody who was curious about, well, what are the best energy sources? And, well, that's how they would find my energy page. And Google had me in the top five for the last ten years until yeah. April and May when I printed that document that I found over at Able Danger called Silicon Mafia. 
I reposted that on my page, and I also made some nice comments about Donald Trump. And that is what I think got me completely censored from Google. They won't hmm. even send I wouldn't their be ro- surprised. They won't even send their robots to sniff my page anymore to know if it exists. And you put in best energy sources into Google, it can't find any one of my pages except if you go like 30 pages down, they'll find an old archive page is about the best you'll do there. But then I tried it over at Bing, and Bing still has me up a position too. This is worldwide. So yeah. uh, so some search engines are still running honest algorithms, but I said something that really got Google angry, and they've just deleted me from existence. So Probably um, some keywords or something. I don't think individual people are doing it. It's probably some... Yeah, like you said, an algorithm. Yeah, so I was joking with a friend and saying, well, that, that's really reflecting my, my, my dating life when, when a robot won't even give me the time of day. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if it was Facebook or Google. I think it might have been Facebook, and I only saw it once, but it was in the last week um, that in order to combat fake news, they were going to be having a forced um alternative, like another view of the same thing that you might post on. It must have been Facebook. Say you put on a news article that you think is important for people to see, that it would put another article that was similar to it, but a different viewpoint maybe, that would just show up with it, like it would partner it. And I thought, well, are they trying to kill off their, you know, their, platform that everybody uses because that will tick people off bad if that's the case. But it was the same kind of thing as manipulating what information people see. It's really important right now for people to get good information. So I don't want anybody. I would rather have a free-for-all with people, you know, knock down, drag out, arguing about everything than have what we have now. It drives me nuts to think that people don't have their ability to speak their mind because it's important we can't all agree on things. That's how you get in trouble because you have groupthink. We can't have that. I mean, even if I think I'm right, I still have to have people tell me they don't think I'm right. I mean, otherwise, what would I do? I'd be out here thinking that I know everything about everything. <laughs> that Just like the D.C. people that get down there in their little echo chamber and they're all positive that they know everything about life and everywhere else in the world, even though they've never been there. We have to have the dissenting opinions. It's important. So we have to argue. We have to fight. That's the whole point of of that freedom of speech thing. So this stuff, all of it is alarming to me, every bit of it, when they say, well, we don't have to put up with it. We don't have to have um, opinions we don't want to hear. Well, no, you don't have to, but it would be in your best interest to do that. Oh, and that made me think of this other thing that happened. Our governor is getting sued because he, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but anyway, he's getting sued because he has banned people from his Facebook page. And supposedly, he, according to this, ACE, it's, the, it's the MCLU, it's the main uh, civil liberties union, saying that um, he's denying constituents um, 
access or or residents of Maine access to their governor by doing that, that he can't do that. And there's so many politicians who ban people off their page or keep them from commenting on their page, block them or whatever, that I think it's going to backfire on them. But it's a that's a story going on up here too, that they've gone after the governor because he's blocked people from his Facebook page. Well, in, so, in recent news, the the only main resident who deserves to be sued is Susan Collins for saving Obamacare. Uh, yeah. Uh, I that, That's disgusting. I feel the same way, and I have friends who like her, and it's made it difficult because she has helped people personally. but And so they can't see that just because she helped somebody personally means that she's helped everyone equally, which she hasn't. Some people she completely ignores, and other people, you know, can't even get a chance to talk to her. So there's an uneven, um, kind of an uneven view of her here in Maine. Some people think she's really nice and has done really a good job and helped, you know, veterans or somebody. And then other people who know that she's totally a fake and doesn't help where she should, that she, you know, brushes it off. She puts, you know, brushes things under the rug or passes passes the buck or whatever. So I don't have a favorable opinion of her. I think she goes whichever way the wind blows, and well, she's done it for a long time. Living just south of Chicago, I thought Illinois was the most corrupt state in the union, and then I moved to California and get exposed to Jerry Brown and a few other criminals we've had. And then I meet you, and you're, you've are you enlightened me on Maine. And then Dottie shows up and enlightens me on New Hampshire. <laughs> Dottie realized. has had a lot of experiences that are really unique, and she knows what she's talking about. She knows everything she's talking about. And I think a lot of the, the reason why things don't get more spread than they, you know, like they probably should be is because I don't think that, People can relate to something that hasn't happened to them. For some reason, they just want to block themselves in their little cocoon and say, well, I'm good, so why should I worry about her? And it, they don't get the concept that you worry about her because you're next. <laughs> That's why. You know, it, it gets easier every time they tromp on somebody It gets easier to tromp on a few more the next time, and that's why you should worry about her. It's just, you know, people are short-sighted. They really, I mean, this thing with the uh, privacy is really funny almost because it's like now we're going to worry about privacy. They've got lamp posts that listen to your conversation, and you're going to worry about privacy now, What your whether or not your Social Security number is given out to the federal government that already has it, basically. They already have it. But I they guess have all that stuff. Well, one of the most disgusting things in the news of the last week or two is Illinois just somewhere in Chicago renamed a street after Obama. And knowing the geography... They made a holiday for him, too. There's an Obama day well, that now too, for his birthday. Coming from a state that's so broke you can't even pay its lottery winners. <laughs> and so they're naming a street after him. And knowing the oh. geographies I do, I... I think I made a comment on on Facebook to to my, some of my other local friends that I grew up with back there that yeah there's an area there's a 
there's a street down in Calumet Harbor they should have named Obama for. Well, if if you grew up through the 50s and know what it turned into, that's where Chicago dumped its sewage. So, uh, harsh, really harsh. When I was a kid and my dad took me through that part of Calumet going into the city, it was all swampland. It was literally swampland. Illinois had a swamp, just like Florida. And Chicago eventually yeah. turned it into dumping, dumping all their dry waste. The last time I was back in Chicago, that hill is about 50 feet tall of Chicago solid waste. And it used to be a swamp. And I'm thinking, if there's any trails there for the garbage dump trucks to go through, yeah, that's a that's a road you would name after Obama. Hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I look out at the, the hills out here <laughs> thinking, well, yeah, they now have hills back in Chicago, but it's all, all solid waste. <laughs> oh, boy. Um. I don't know. I guess I'm about at the end of my list. Unless you got any other broad topics for the week, or did uh, did the computer? Oh, the computer dropped uh, dropped Ginger out. Uh, so Desert Pete's got to fill in here. Uh, glad to see everybody back again this week, and the summer hasn't hasn't toasted all of us yet. So uh, keep hanging in here on. Uh, Keeping both coasts going. Yeah, I mentioned in the chat. I'm, I'm used to Thursdays is when the Navy would do all their their flying exercises and mock dogfights and whatever out here, and all morning has just been pretty quiet. So, uh, is it the quiet before the storm, the quiet before the eclipse? And somebody pointed out the eclipse is going right over uh, Yellowstone this year. So. Be curious to see just uh, what happens there, and hopefully nothing happens. And it looks like Ginger's back. Are you? I'm. I'm back. There you are. I guess that last time was a fluke. It didn't throw us off last time. This time it did. Oh, well. <laughs> it threw me off. I didn't hang up. It just. I was just gone, and it's uh, right about the three-hour mark. So yeah, that's why. The talk show uh, robots <laughs> are. Not getting used to this every other week format, maybe or something. Yeah, they're on the ball tonight. They threw me off on time. <laughs> yeah, last time, remember we talked for a really long time, and I said that's weird because it didn't disconnect me like it usually does. I know. I remember that. Yeah, well, it did tonight. I wondered why I couldn't copy and paste that link. I wanted to copy and paste. It was giving me a hard time, and all of a sudden it just went poof and it was gone. I was like, okay, everything's gone. Phone, the whole works, but. The controls are still there, so the program's still fine. Well, do you still have your your chat screen, or did that all disappear yeah. on you? No, everything stayed because the only thing that hung up was the phone. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Yeah. I know, as you mentioned earlier tonight, that sometimes when you have a crash and you have to rejoin in, that your whole chat board disappears. Yeah, I've had that happen before, and it's not fun. It, it Mostly what it does is it renews it so that everything is fresh and so I don't have the old chat. But the thing that always concerns me is the uh, buttons that I need. Uh, if you've ever hosted one, there's buttons that are at the top that allow me to block chat, allow chat, mute everybody or not mute people. 
um, and then to end the recording and all that. Those buttons will disappear sometimes, and I'm like, okay, now what do I do? I mean, I could probably go out and come back in and end it, but or it might end on the clock, too. It might time itself out. I don't know. But that used to panic me. Now I don't even care. Well, we're, <laughs> I we're still here. I find I'm very blasé about things now. <laughs> well, and our, our fears of the... Uh the the topic sensor uh, uh, robots uh, killing the show or uh, we're we're overplayed I guess so we're we're still here uh, looking in the chat when you disappeared there for a few moments I was trying to fill time and made mention of the where the eclipse is going over and I guess oh. I misspoke I thought it was going over Yellowstone but Val Ammon's correcting me here uh, I just know it's 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 going by north of me so I'm just going to be seeing a partial eclipse. Uh, for anybody uh, near, I just remember from my own experience, if you understand the concept of a pinhole camera, uh, a tiny aperture allows light to act, or the aperture acts like a, 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 a glass lens, really. And I noticed when we had a partial eclipse come over Los Angeles, I stepped out for lunch, as I'm walking under a tree, I see all these little crescent moons on the ground and realized, oh, as the light was shining through in between the leaves to be little tiny dots, it was then acting like a projector and projecting the image of the eclipse down on the ground. Interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so, cool. So that that was kind of funny to see. So that that's something you only see during an eclipse. Is uh... Dad had us make a. This was when we were kids. He had us make a uh, shoebox viewer for the eclipse so that we could see it. I made one too. So, yeah. Uh, my dad snapped a picture of me out out in the driveway with uh, with a big box over my head. <laughs> <laughs> It was fun to do it, but I mean, I know what it, how to do it, and so I don't really need to do it. I mean, I know what an eclipse looks like. It looks like the light's blocked. Right. It's like, why do you, why do you need to even look at it? You'll know because it'll get darker out. Yeah. Uh, Mike Rivera, theory. the the lunchtime host I occasionally listen to, is, is really overplaying it. You know, there's going to be mobs of people pulling into the towns to see it, and I'm thinking, no. I mean, Mike, have you never seen a partial eclipse before? He he talks like he's never seen one. Maybe he hasn't. But uh, but he's <laughs> about our age. So well, maybe he's lived in different places and. Wrong part of the world at the wrong time, I guess. What was it, yeah. Carly Simon, that uh, the legendized uh, eclipses with uh, with the song uh, "You're So Vain." Yeah. So then you you flew your your Learjet to Nova Scotia just to see the full eclipse of the sun. Cla- <laughs> yeah. Class, classic line. So. There was one. There was a, a solar eclipse. The last solar eclipse of the century, as I think what the radio announcer said that morning. I used to have a show I used to listen to all the time and call in. It was a morning show that played like you know regular rock music, the popular stuff, and and um. The older guy is still on the radio. I don't know about the younger guy. But anyway, I used to call in all the time. 
And this particular day, they were talking about the eclipse, the last solar eclipse or something of the century. And I don't, I don't know if it was for here or what it was. But anyway, I said, I need you to play some music because I'm cleaning my house because I can't, I can't have a dirty house on the last solar eclipse of the century. And he played Brasilia. That's what he picked because I couldn't think of a song. He says, I'll play something for you. I said, play me anything you want because I can't think of anything. I just need some energy music so I can clean my house. And he played Brasilia. You remember that? Uh, I don't remember that tune. Herb Alpert. It's a Herb Alpert song. okay. Yeah. Why am I wheezing? I just wheezed really loud. I don't know if you heard it, but (laughs) not my normal thing to do that. Hopefully I'm not croaking. That would be bad. Find it. I might play it. If I can find it. No, it's not on here. At least not easily found. <clears throat> Don't even smoke. What the heck am I doing? Wheezing. <clears throat> it's gone now. Any chemtrails back there lately? Yes, we do get them. I was leaning back in my chair. Maybe I pressed on my lungs or something. I don't know. I don't even see it on here. Maybe I've got it spelled wrong. Let's see if I can find it by putting... Oh, it says Herb Alpert. Okay, here we go. See if I can find a good one. Nobody even knows this. You didn't even know this, and you know Herb Alpert. He, he stood right next to me uh, 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 on a couple of occasions. So, if I can find one that'll play, I don't know about these links. You never know. Okay, we ready? Yeah. I'll drive people crazy tonight. I'm trying really hard to do that. <laughs> oh, that's the title. Okay. Sounds sort of like uh, a game show. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Did you recognize that? That would be house cleaning music. Did you recognize that? Yes, heard it hundreds hundreds of times, just never knew the title. Yeah. See, when we have the albums back in the old days for all the young whippersnappers that come through the door and listen to us, because as you can see, we have a whole chat room chat room full of young whippersnappers in here tonight, millennials. I'm just kidding. we would put on the album, which was a vinyl record, actually made of vinyl and had little grooves in it, and we would put it on this machine that would spin around, and we'd put a little needle on it, and it would play all the songs. And we wouldn't always know the names of them because it would just play until it got done. And then we'd flip it over and play the other side. Mm-hmm. And they'd go, no, that didn't happen. <laughs> that sounds like a story. And even the DJs we would listen to didn't always introduce the record. They'd just roll through two or three tunes, and uh, yeah. they might make a comment afterwards about one or two of them or something. But, uh, but We played never... this stuff in our house. So, uh, you know, my father loved the Tijuana Brass, and he loved the Baja Marimba band. So we had the records, 
and mostly we had the Baja Marimba band, which I loved. And when we were over to visit him a few years ago, I said, Dad, do you still have those records? And he goes, yeah, I've got the records. I said, can I have the Baja Marimba band records? So I got them. I loved them. I thought they were great. Yeah. Well. In 2020 hindsight, that my my brief employment with with A&M Records, I'm just ashamed of myself for not knowing half the celebrities that walked through the room that I worked in. Because I I knew a little about the record industry, but I didn't really take the time to memorize what every musician looked like because you don't always get to see musicians. You hear them on the radio. You you occasionally learn a name that matches a tune. Uh, and it was really only until after I left him that, man, I was seeing some of the classics of the 70s music industry in those days. Uh, oh, well, that, that's history. And uh, and you've met celebrities yourself, and, and when the moment happens, it's usually a surprise, and you don't have a clue what, what to say to them. Yeah. Yeah, one of my classmates met uh, Barry Manilow and uh, told me the same thing that uh, oh, he was just leaving a nightclub and and his limo was uh, he was stepping into his limo and suddenly she had an opportunity to walk up and shake shake hands with Barry Manilow and what do you say? Yep. <laughs> you say I am so happy to meet you. I love your music. That's, That's about all it. you say. That's about it. Yeah. I would have done the same thing if I'd seen him. I wrote him a letter before. I actually wrote to Barry Manilow because really? he was depressed. It was around the time the disco era was ending, and I knew that he had extreme talent Yeah, as a performer. You know, his his shows that he did, like his um, concerts and things that were on television, I knew that he wasn't just a piano player and composer. He was performer as well he could entertain just by telling a story and things like that people related to him so it was really hard on him because he'd had all this uh you know basically lots of popularity and then it just kind of went all at once because the disco era was ending all that show stuff you know the copa cabana all that stuff all those big things the bet midler stuff because he played for her i guess i think he was her accompanist or something but anyway, I knew he had a lot of talent, and he was writing these gorgeous songs and everything. And so I wrote him this letter, and I told him if he needed to go, if he needed to get away from everything for a while and just have a complete change of scenery, he could go to my camp. Nobody would know him there, or if they did recognize him, they wouldn't bother him. They would not invade his privacy or anything because people don't. That's just how it is in Maine. You could come here if you're famous, and people will, for the most part, they'll leave you alone. And uh, I never had a response or anything, but I remember I wrote this letter and I sent a picture of my family hanging out down by the water, you know, all rippy clothes and stuff, because we had gotten out, you know, we were playing outside and got out of the boat or whatever. So it wasn't like, you know, we were all dressed up or anything. I said, look, you can even come as you are. Nobody will care. Probably probably it was in a big sack of mail somewhere. But I did write him a letter anyway, so I offered him to come there and hide out and get well, because I knew he was in a bad condition. I think he went and I think he went down to Florida or something and hung out for a few years before he even emerged again. There was like a there was like a little gap there where he wasn't really seen much at all. 
So. Somebody in Roman Mall posted a, uh, a, a short Barry Manilow clip, and uh, and he mentioned that uh, something he had always admired about, uh, I think it was Frank Sinatra, was that uh, every time he was about to sing a tune, he would mention who the uh, who the writer was. Uh, Barry said he tried to continue that tradition himself. Yeah. So it's uh, it's nice to see a little mutual respect around and not uh not be total arrogant jerks like uh yep. we see all too all too much of. Here's a little sample of Chuck Mangione. Somebody said they recognized the name but didn't remember it. I said you'd know it. Chase the clouds away. Right? It's called Give It All You Got. Okay, well, some of his tunes sounded alike. <laughs> yes, they did. And he was, um, he was, um, um, what do you call it, cousin of a friend of ours, a fairly close family friend when my kids were young. And uh, he, I'm trying to find the one that... His brother was an accomplished musician. I didn't know that. Okay, I didn't know Uh, that. I'm looking for the Olympic theme, and I don't think that was it. I don't think this is it. That's the regular Olympic theme. That's not it. No, it must have been Give It All You Got, which I didn't remember that. The one everybody knows is this one. This is the one everybody knows. That's Chase the Clouds Away. No, that feels so good. Shoot. (laughs) This is the one that was the most, you know, he probably had number one with this. Yeah, okay. It's got the womp, womp, womp in the background. Makes me laugh. Well. I think he was from Brooklyn, and his, um... Name His cousin drop. was, um, like, he worked in the chancellor's office here for the University of Maine. He was, like, uh, he did all kinds of stuff with labor and everything. And and he looked just, he looked similar to him because they were Sicilians. And um thought they were, you know, really cool. Anyway, it's getting well, late, I suppose. N- name dropper that I am, Chuck Mangione was another one who, who walked by me in the in the halls of A&M. A and M Records. A and M Records. That that was his yeah. label, and uh, uh, very short gentleman. <laughs> so, my gosh, these people in here—they're saying things, and I'm not getting what it is. Dottie wants me to play dance music. Are you serious, Dottie? It's almost eleven o'clock at night. <laughs> oh, Mandy. Uh, Yep, oh, Mandy. What about Weekend in New England? That was a good one, the Barry Manilow's. James can... Let's see. James can now stop. He's insulting poor Barry Manilow. 
Don't make me have to play Copacabana. Okay, Dottie wants me to play the dance music. And Margaret. I never met Anne Margaret, but her producer came into my room once for uh, a tape copy of something. So, uh, Doc Severinsen, we saw him all the time, too. Oh, my gosh, all these people. It reminds me of the old days. Goodness. Yep. But I actually got the signature of Anne Francis from Forbidden uh, uh, Planet. And uh, Kitty West, I think, was a TV show she had for a while. Mm. See, I'm I'm getting to that point where I can't remember certain things. Yeah. That certainly sounds familiar, but it's not in my not in my mind right now. Kitty West, you said, or Kitty Wells, or I, Kitty I West? I think I think she was. Uh, Played a lady spy who drove a sports car was the typical '60s premise, and Kitty West, I think, was the name of the show. Oh, but man, maybe I used to watch it. So many years. Oh, uh, I think it was a borderline serious uh, spy show. So I only watched comedies. So Get Smart was the was my spy show. <laughs> that was the one I loved. When I was young, I watched TV fairly often, but I hardly have in the last, I just, you know, last few decades. I'm too busy, you know. I couldn't sit down for one thing to to watch through a whole drama. Like if it was a whole hour long, I would miss part of it, so I just wouldn't even bother to sit down. And sitcoms were too foolish. I, you know, I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of them. I didn't find them that funny, so I really didn't watch a lot of television at all. Well, that's the difference between maybe. men and women. That's why men like Three Stooges. And yeah, I remember them, everybody. but I was a kid when I watched them. I wasn't an adult. I was a kid. So all of that stuff, all of those, you know, children's shows and things that people used to watch at night together as a family, we watched all that stuff, like Bonanza and all those. I remember some of those shows, but gosh, I don't know image search and see if uh, the name Kitty West comes up at all. <laughs> Probably does. Well, are you getting there to be able to to sign off now so we can play Dottie's dance music and be out of here? Yeah. No uh, no complaints here. I'm, uh, I'm talked out and it's time to close my own windshield. Win- <laughs> window shade. Windshield. <laughs> yes, your window shade. Yeah, it's been the, quite a long evening. Oh, well, yeah, it's 11 here, so I guess we need to send some cold air back out to you. Send, we're supposed to be getting cooler temperatures pretty soon, so we'll have to push some towards your direction. No images are coming up that I recognize. Oh, Sure. Try a web search instead of an image search. 
Oh, man, they're in other shows. Uh, I guess YouTube has an episode on it, too. I'll have to look it up. So the show Kitty West did exist. That movie database only has... uh, some writer credits, not the show. So, well, the internet isn't complete, that's for sure. Because some of the stuff that's old, they, you know, they never bothered to put it on anywhere. You'd have to go find it somewhere else. So, now she was in some kind of a a lady spy episode, uh, or not episode, but it, it was a series. I think it only lasted one season. Uh, that was one of the. I'm, I'm I'm getting off base. The main point was, uh, uh, Anne Francis was uh, was the actress I met briefly. So, actually got mm-hmm. her signature. Probably the only celebrity I ever bothered to get a signature from. Yep. Uh, that's because I loved the movie she was in, Forbidden Planet. In my mind, is the the best sci-fi ever made. Broke ground on uh, on technology and storyline and maybe we should all go back and watch all those old things again so we can see what we were supposed to know because it was they were telling us stuff about the future that's what it was about that was what it was for so there's probably all kinds of messages in there well I'm sure there was. Uh... Don't know where to begin. The uh, the the key plot in Forbidden Planet was this race that disappeared because they had developed a power source that was controlled by the mind, so that anything you wanted to do, either with your hand or make your car go faster, uh whether it was a tool or, or just your hand to lift something, all you had to do is focus your mental energy on it and you suddenly had instantly all the energy and power you needed to accomplish what task you were attempting. And then the, the term they used in the plot was the id or the the inner self and basically greed and lust and, and hatred towards somebody went out of control so that if anybody in the civilization hated somebody else, they suddenly had enough power to vaporize them. And they all destroyed each other, <laughs> was the plot line of the movie. But uh, but on, on that, that crazy Moran Cash, he seems to be going the same direction in, in mentally controlled energy. And the last few times I've tried listening to him, he is, he is just off-the-wall psychotic on his crazy religious views. Uh, and I I can't endorse him on anything anymore. He's, he's such a nutcase. And it, it scares me because if you think back to that, uh, that Hale-Bopp cult yeah. uh, several years ago where there was this group of highly intelligent computer programmers 
who bought into some new age religion and they got so caught up in this this crazy religion that they all thought that their their own coming messiah was going to arrive on this Hale-Bob comet and the only way that they could meet their messiah was to commit mass suicide and that's how bizarre and how dastardly some of these cults can get and to think that it had, it had actually destroyed the minds of otherwise intelligent people that's really scary and now that I look the direction that Maran Kesh is going, he really is starting his own new religion. And his initial thing that caught my attention was maybe having some some advanced laws of physics or advanced physics technology, and we'll put it that way, uh, which has intrigued me for over a year now. But uh, oh, I just can't stomach listen to his his three or four hour lectures that are. 80% bubblegum-chewing philosophy. And uh, I, I just find it offensive. And the fact that he's teamed up with Gordon Duff, which is another nutcase, just have to wonder what uh, what's about to happen. Because I... Uh, just to see if he had any announcements, I tuned into the show he did uh, early this morning and he thinks he's about to shut down the Belgian government and uh, and all militaries around the world. Okay. Uh, and what are you planning to have for lunch? <laughs> uh, I can't take anything he says seriously anymore. He's just so off the wall on everything. So anyway, that's that's just another guy I've talked about in the past. That's it. I'm going to bore people just rambling here. Well, they're all into now we're doing our television shows that we remember when we were kids and <laughs> and some of them are ones that kind of faded to the back and now now remembered and uh, I see National Velvet too. Anything that had horses in it, I loved them. And I loved all the westerns and I wanted a horse and here I am now I'm in my 60s and I never had a horse and Darn it, I'm darn resentful about it, but I'm not going to be resentful now. I'm going to get ready to dance because Dottie wants us to dance, and if she does, then we got to dance. Well, just oh. come out west here. I can take you up to the Bureau of Land Management where they have Mustangs available for adoption for only $135. I'm sure they won't let us have a horse in town here in Bangor because we have a code enforcement. We have to hide from them. We have to hide everything from them. Pull the curtains. Protect your children close the gate because they're going to come up and tell you you can't do anything so I don't think I could have a horse I probably couldn't bring it up in the backyard and train it so I think I'm out of luck I was hoping I could spend some time near horses by going to people's farms and helping take care of the horses because I like horses but I don't live near any farms either I only remember trying to ride a horse once, once in my life and I was not in synchronization. I was going up when he was going down, and that was a I've bumpy heard. ride. So. Yep. I had one horse back me into a ditch. That was a horse that didn't want to go up the road any further, so it decided it was going to back into the ditch. 
and stand there until we went back towards the barn. But I had some other fun experiences riding horses. I had, you know, once I had a horse take me into some trees and almost knock my head off. Ooh. So that's dangerous when they run in the trees. It was down in Bar Harbor in the Acadia National Park. I was on a horse riding path, and the horse decided to run off the path. I don't know what happened if a ho- if a fly got in its face or what, but it took off running, and, and uh, I didn't get my head down fast enough. That was pretty scary, having your face ripped back by a branch. Well, dangerous. Could kill you. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's dangerous. I. It wasn't the horse's fault. It was probably mine because I was inexperienced. But not, I was lucky. All it did was knock my glasses off because I was wearing glasses that day. Yeah. Well, mine wasn't quite as vicious as running into a branch, but I had a yank me off my motorcycle experience when I was coming home from school and I pulled into the backyard and looped around the tree and went to park what I usually did and didn't realize my mom hung up a clothesline that day. Ah, yeah. It caught me straight across my glasses. I obviously stopped, fell off the back, and landed on the ground, and the motorbike I was on went forward about 20 feet and stopped. But it snapped yeah. my glasses in half. Yeah. And yeah, that that's no fun getting yanked in the head when when you think you're moving forward at 10 miles an hour. Dangerous as heck to put stuff like that and not tell people. Even if you knew, you might have forgotten though if it wasn't there. Yeah. You know. I don't know. Very it, long. it may have been there, and I simply forgot that it was there. I don't know. I just obviously wasn't paying attention until it grabbed me by the head and. Uh, the people that snowmobile up here in the winter, that's one of their big hazards is people that put chains and wires across their roads or their driveways to block oh, them. Oh, same story. Because if they're going home. down the road, they hit it. Yeah, the people have been killed hitting them. Yeah, leftover barbed wire from, from summer fences, and uh, in comes the snow, and they think they can go flying through the woods. Yeah, and they hit those. And, yeah. yeah so we're same, aware of that stuff, too. Same thing has happened in Illinois, I know. That's that's pretty grotesque when that happens. Yeah. Anyway, hazards of life. Yeah. All right. I'm talked out, so I don't want to bore anybody and I'll put everybody to sleep. We'll wake up. We're still logged on at 5 in the morning or something. Yeah, really true. Now i got to go, too. Okay. All right. I'm well, gonna... that's it. That's it from the West Coast, so thanks, everybody, for being here, and we'll catch you all on the next show, hopefully in a a week or two. Okay. All right. Good night for now. night. All right. I'm going to see if I can play this. I'm going to put the mic near the speaker, so I've got to take it off my head because I have the mic on my head right now. So let me know if you can't hear it, and I'll jack it up. Get on your feet. Everybody on their feet. We got to dance for Dottie. Okay, here we go. Good night, everyone.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.